Matt Ryan to throw. Enzo fires, and it's Jawani Woods for a touchdown. Townsend, the punter, to be the holder. Snap. That's a fake. Townsend is going to throw it over the head of his intended receiver. It is second and 10 to the 12-yard line. Colts down by four. Ryan backs the pass. Looking, looking. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jawani Woods. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Two touchdowns today for the rookie. Waiting on the snap. Takes it. Looking left. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tip it. Intercepted by the Colts. Intercepted by the Colts. It's Rodney McLeod. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left, and the Colts are going to win. There's no doubt our backs were against the wall, and we responded, and I think that's a testament to our players. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Don't call it a comeback. Kevin, do you drive Capital on your way down, or do you, are you a Meridian guy now? I am splitting the city, baby. Meridian. Because when I drove down Capital, you know, there's like some, I don't, I thought for a long time it was construction of new buildings taking place for IU Health, but uh, then I realized this morning things were narrowed and, and there was all kinds of stuff on the side of the road because of the parade, right? <laughs> the parade that we planned... That's being done around town because the Colts picked up their first win of the year, but that was a big one. That was huge, huge. You know, Jake, I feel like every Monday during the NFL season, you're in this weird dichotomy, if you will, of performance versus result. And flat out, the Colts just needed a result. They needed a win. Desperately, so badly, you heard Frank Reich's words. In Frank Reich lingo, that is, we felt it all week long. I mentioned it during the week. I felt like his Wednesday press conference was uh, one of the more animated. You will see Frank Reich, and if you want to see his emotion on full display, just dial up the post-game locker room celebration from yesterday. That told everything to me. Uh, there are obviously reasons why the Colts won that game. We'll get into those, but at some point this season, Jake, the Colts have got to find a way to make up for the first two weeks. And yesterday was one. Well, and the other thing, too, that they did, and look, we'll get plenty into, uh, you know, how it came to be that they defeated Kansas City. Although, again, I, it's always interesting to me, Kevin, and I'm not saying that there were not huge areas of concern for the first couple of weeks for the Colts, but as the year goes on and things in the, in the water settle a little bit, you know, two things. Number one, it is possible, as we talked about for two weeks, that, that they were never as bad as what we thought in those first two weeks and that things, you know, that their roster is pretty decent. But the other thing, too, is, you know, is it possible that, say, Jacksonville is actually pretty good and that that wasn't as egregious as we think? Yeah, I uh, did not watch that one. Was Justin Herbert really limited? Well, I don't know about that as much as – because that's why I picked Jacksonville to cover. That was part of the reason why. I'm like, I assume Herbert is not going to play or he's going to be really limited. And then I look at that score and I'm like, even if he was limited, I guess that's still impressive by what Jacksonville did. Yeah, how about the AFC South, Jake? I've called it the laughing stock of the AFC. I've called it the true TV division. Uh, they go 3-0 and against AFC West yesterday. That is amazing, isn't it? Just like we all predicted. That's right. What would that a parlay got you? By the way, Jake, credit to you on the Colts prediction. I just felt like, Kevin. You went with the NFL never fails, right? 
Yeah, I, I think it was a couple of things. I listen. I don't predict games, or predict is the wrong word. You know, make our when we do our predictions. I very rarely do them like by analyzing schematics and numbers, and I, that's probably a far more effective way. But sometimes you can just kind of look at something and go, you know what? I I've seen so many times. I mean, the the a home opener. You knew it was going to be a great day in terms of the weather and the you know. The atmosphere was going to be good. I, I don't think the Colts were as bad as 0-1-1 looked. And this is what the Colts do and what they've done, right? You know, you, you, you write them off and then they go into San Francisco and they win. You write them off, they go into Buffalo and they win. You, you, you write them off, Kansas City comes in and they knock them off. Hell, hell I've, I've seen Joe Montana get beat, I think, at, at the Dome back in the day. I saw Dan Marino get beat when he never should have. But now what they have to do is build on that and not give another game away. So they've made up for – you didn't think maybe they'd get Kansas City, so they just made up for losing in Jacksonville, right, to an extent. So now what you have to do is hold serve. You know, you, you, you turn around you lose to Tennessee or somebody like that, and you're right back to square one, right? Yeah, I mean, Tennessee's a bigger game than Kansas City, right. frankly, when you talk and, about And you could make the argument the Colts needed that game yesterday more than Kansas City did, even though it's only the first quarter sure. of the season. You know, I um, I could give game balls in a couple of areas. Um, I think you start off and give it to the defense. Cut it, credit, excuse me, to Gus Bradley for they made some personnel changes. They benched Nick Cross. They started Rodney McLeod. When Julian Blackman went down early in that game, I'm thinking this is a recipe for disaster. You're losing one of your more trustworthy players. You're losing your deep field guy against Patrick Mahomes. And all of a sudden, I'm looking down on the field, and they turn to a seventh-round pick in Rodney Thomas II. Never played a defensive snap in the NFL. They don't go to Nick Cross. They go to their seventh-round pick from Yale, and he stepped up. He delivered. Uh, we talked on Friday. Isaiah Rogers needs to be on the field. Isaiah Rogers finally played. Um, I thought that was a big factor. Obviously, the highlight you just heard there of Stephon Gilmore with the tip and Rodney McLeod to ice the game. Um, so I think you certainly hand a game ball to the defense. Um, the other two game balls that I would probably give out, Jake, one to Jim Irsay for pressing the button and getting that window open, getting that roof open. Uh, and in all seriousness, and I know this might sound like a joke, Chris Jones deserves a game ball. Totally. Chris I mean, Jones that, should go in the Colts Ring of Honor that, for I mean, his that, performance that yesterday. absolutely – you know, it's funny. I was sitting with JMV for the game. Now, why don't you sit down in our row? I noticed that. You sit back in the writer's row, right? Oh, I, I feel like I've always been up there. I've always sat next to Chap. Do you, do you have an assigned seat, or is that just a, a seat that you've sat in so many times that it's – your no, seat. it's it's a sign. Kevin Bowen, one hundred seven five, the fan, right next to Mike Chapel, and I'm next to the uh, like the wireless connector people, like the people that are in charge of like all the headsets. I think Chap is always funny to sit next to at Colts games. We're talking about the press box seating charts, by the way. Chap is always funny to sit next to at the Colts games. I don't know if he still does this, but he used to. He would name probably not so now because we're seven stories up. He would name every defensive player when they make a tackle. <laughs> he, well, thankfully, he does not do Buckner. that. I, I, I like Chap because he's pretty quiet during the That's game. That's right. He is. You've got plenty of room to kind of lounge around down there, don't you? Yeah, there was some open space yesterday for certain. Um, 
You know, it's interesting, Kevin. I thought about the fact that, like, I remember, you know, as I was sitting on, on the press row yesterday, I was sitting next to, there were some TV folks down to my right, and I could hear them discussing, like, well, I'll do this for a sidebar story and da-da-da. And I, I mean no disrespect to the folks working in TV now, but, you know, I remember when I worked in TV, and, I mean, each station, we'd have three or four people down there doing different things and everybody was doing a 40 minute Sunday night show and one-on-one interviews and everything and I mean just the the man and woman power that was used to cover an NFL game was far more bolstered seemingly than it is now so there is a little bit more room um but anyway JMV and I were were sitting there watching the game and that that was the play of the game I mean the the Chris Jones that was Matt Ryan's best play up to that point yeah I mean we're like well that game's over if that foul doesn't happen, that I game's over. Don't think the Colts get the ball back. And I, I saw Five minutes Jones to go on the clock when it happened. I saw Chris Jones in the interview, the Kansas City media, and I don't know that anybody asked him what he said. Everybody, would, you know, was just like, well, do you, did you agree with the foul? Did you agree with the the flag? And no one said like, well, what did you say? Yeah, the Colts. I saw that they did ask him directly, and he would not say what he said. Um, <clears throat> the head official said abusive language. Um. It had to be, and I guess I'm projecting a little bit. It had to be some sort sort of slur. Slur. Yeah. Um. If you if you watch Chris Jones post game, he's not that mad. I mean, he's mad, but he's not like if you felt like you truly deserve not to be Fair. flagged for yeah. a game changing penalty, you are irate. Andy Reid is, which would be a sight to see. Andy Reid would be chasing after the official Sean Smith running off the field at the end of that game. It's not that. Um, Sean Smith called it, and he, that's the head official, he called it abusive language after the game. Um, So, yeah, yeah that, that play, certainly. But, you know, Jake, I like bad football teams, truly bad football teams, get the amount of gifts the Colts got handed yesterday, and they don't win that game. If you're really bad, right. you still find a way to lose that game. And again, credit to Gus Bradley's defense because I was just waiting for them to wilt. I was just waiting for them to break. You felt like they were hanging on for dear life. They were playing so well. At some point, you felt like Kansas City was going to look like Kansas City. And really, the first drive of the second half, Kansas City gets a first and goal to three. I'm thinking, okay, here comes a touchdown. At that point, it's going to be 21-10. And with what we've seen from this Colts offense and an offensive line that has major questions right now, that's going to be enough. That's going to be the breaking point. But the deficit never got to two scores, and that is a major credit to the defense. I thought coming into the game, we talked about the blueprint last week, I was more confident in Jonathan Taylor than the pass rush. It was probably the flip of that. You know, Taylor had a just kind of a ho-hum day for him, 71 yards, but only 3.4 per carry. I thought your D-line... Just really did a nice job of rushing Mahomes. They won't wow you with the sack numbers or the hit numbers, but I thought they did a nice job of forcing Mahomes to move. Mahomes moves so well, but a lot of the times he wants to move. He knows if he moves to his right, to his left, if he steps up, rolls out, whatever, he's going to find something. I thought the Colts did a really nice job, unlike last week with Trevor Lawrence, of forcing Mahomes to move and not allowing him to dictate when he moves. By the way, that's the voice of Kevin Bowen. My name is Jake Quarry. This is uh, Kevin and Quarry here on 93.5, 107.5. The fan, Mark Dykton, who is running the big board for us, has been here since 2.30 in the morning putting together Colts audio. Is that right? That's not too far off. That was a great open, Mark. Thank you. 
You, you started on that about 3.15, right? Yeah, roughly. <laughs> did, did you bring cereal this morning? I brought a, I brought a granola bar. Ate that. And congrats to your Bears. The only... Thank you. Defeat of an AFC South team yesterday, yes, courtesy was, of your Bears. The running game was strong, so that was good. Still a little concerned about Justin Fields, but that was uh, a win is a win. Uh, guys, I'm dead serious about the roof and the window being open. It's great. I, I went to the game yesterday and walked around. Um, Palmer Eicher, do you guys have him on the bingo card of my buddies? Palmer was my neighbor. In That's a very millennial name. Steinmeier growing up. Great Named dude. after Arnold? Um I don't, you know, that's funny. Now that you mention it, we drank a lot of lemonade and tea when we were kids. Uh, he lived next door to me and moved away like in eighth grade. And so he was at the game. He was like, hey, you know, come down and say hi. So I met up with him, but walking around the stadium itself. And hello to Josh, who said he listens every morning while walking his dog. What's up, Josh? He's the pride of Lutheran High School. Um, you got a good football team. But walking around, it's just a great atmosphere when the roof is open and the windows open. It's just, it was a great fall day. There was um, a lot of red, but I don't f- feel like I felt their loudness. Yeah, they were primarily up in the upper decks for sure. Um, I would agree with that. It didn't feel, you know, usually when, when there's, as I call it, like the Steph Curry effect or l- typically in the NBA you see it. I mean, LeBron, certainly Jordan, Kobe. When those players are in, there's like this aura, this energy in the building. And Patrick Mahomes is that kind of a player, but I didn't really feel that yesterday. It didn't. F- you didn't feel that buzz of like, when they scored and you knew that, that they'd scored, uh, it was it was a good day. Now, weekend overall good? Yeah, I was, gosh, I was thrilled by Notre Dame's performance. How about that, man? Um, and I was really hoping you guys would just, your game would end. Just end Clemson Wake Forest. <laughs> College football games take so long. Granted, it went into overtime. Well, double, double overtime, yeah. Double OT. Um, but Clemson eked one out, and then, yeah, I didn't know Notre Dame could score like that. Granted, North Carolina can't stop anyone. Um, outside of that, went to Fat Dan's in the Broad Ripple area. Always love that spot. Um, yeah, pretty good, like crisp fall weather. I felt like. How about? I believe ESPN does a segment called Bad Beats. Did you oh, see the Indi- bad beat in the Indiana game? Did I see it? I felt it in the pocket. So Indiana is down fourteen. There are six. They they got sixteen and a half at Cincinnati. They're down fourteen. Inside of a minute. They have like a fourth and ten on what, like their own four-yard line, and they go for it? Well, I thought the fair catch was more the egregious one. Well, but 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 hear this out, though. So, on the fourth and ten, they seemingly get sacked in the end zone for a safety. <laughs> which which, which would make that? it a 16-point game, and then they would kick off, presumably Cincinnati would get it, take a knee, end of game. Sure. Instead of a safety, they call it a turnover on downs at the half-yard line. So Cincinnati gets the ball literally two feet from the end zone. And it took them a few plays to get it in the end zone, Cincinnati. With like a minute left. I mean, they okay, they do a quarterback sneak, and now they go from 14 to up 20, and they swing the point line. Yeah. That was really disappointing. You take the safety. If it's a safety right there, it does not affect the line. That was a bad beat. And that was a bad performance by Indiana. Down 38-10. Very disappointing. Yeah, we were at Fat Dance watching Notre Dame, and Indiana was obviously on as well. And I just kept looking up being like, oh, my God, 38-10 at half? Wasn't that half? It was a 38-10 at half? Yeah, I think that's right. 
Uh, and then Purdue, boy, that two-point conversion attempt by Florida Atlantic was one of the worst two-point conversion attempts I've ever seen. Um, but I guess without your starting quarterback, it's just survival mode. I thought Austin Burton had some moments for Purdue, and that sets up a massive one for the Boilers this Saturday. They are at Minnesota, Indiana, at Nebraska. Pacers media day today, Jake. Uh, tomorrow, the start of training camp for the Pacers. So a little bit more Pacers conversation to get into as uh, the month of September ends and October begins. We'll take your calls, obviously, throughout the show, 317-239-1070. We're going to start a new segment on the show. Mark, I don't know if we have a title for it, but you tweeted out last night asking fans for their reactions to the game in five words or less. Mm -hmm. Scrolling Uh, through those, I really enjoyed those. Yeah. Yeah, there's. I'll, I'll try to read, read the ones that are on air uh, appropriate. <laughs> it, do our best. It's a good uh-huh. pulse. Yeah, some Chris Jones comments probably in some of those. Yeah, some of those tweets there. Maybe well, some pulse of the fans. Maybe we can workshop that title or something like that. Or I like that. Uh, one thing I want to note is that final drive yesterday. I think something we talked about when the trade for Matt Ryan was made. And I don't know if there's any way to say this, Jake, without it coming off as a shot at Carson Wentz. But I felt like with Ryan's resume, with how he exited Atlanta, when Colts players, offensively certainly, look at Matt Ryan in the huddle with the game on the line like that, there is just a level of confidence, a level of belief that they didn't truly feel last year with the quarterback in the huddle. And as much struggle you had offensively and Matt Ryan by no means was perfect through the first three three quarters of that game three and a half quarters the offensive line issues you still got there late in the game and yes of course Chris Jones helped you out big time but Matt Ryan is eight of ten on that final drive with Michael Pittman double team you can clearly see it on the Jelani Woods touchdown he gave his rookies two opportunities in Alec Pierce and Jelani Woods and you guys know full well I've been the first one critical of the pass catchers if somehow yesterday is the start of Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce being consistent, productive, not flinching in those moment-type players, that can really change the outlook, I think, on this season. Uh, so I, I think what you saw yesterday is really a drive the Colts have not orchestrated in quite some time of late game, belief in your quarterback, and then two young guys delivering for you just their first NFL catches, period. But then a minute ago, Pierce has the whatever it was, 12, 14-yard gain. And then Jelani Woods, you know, in traffic. That was a tough catch for Woods and obviously the game winner for him. Uh, did you see Carson Wentz was sacked nine times yesterday? Nine times. You think the Eagles took some joy in that one? How about this? Uh, I started Justin Fields in fantasy because Justin Herbert was hurt. Oh. At least I thought he was. Uh, and luckily I was playing Carson Wentz. <laughs> Justin Fields yesterday, eight of seventeen for one hundred and six and two picks. Not great. Now, Kevin, I say this because it's the AFC South, not because I'm wanting my prediction to come true, to show my prophetic nature. But you know, I've been saying for a long time that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a real. It has the tools to be an elite level quarterback. Because I watched every snap that he played in college, and his he was unbelievable. I realized he had a superior cast around him than most opponents he was playing. But when the Colts beat Jackson, you know, I don't know if you saw the statistic that uh, Trevor Lawrence won his first NFL road game 
in start number 10, which is like the second longest drought for a quarterback to win their first road game as starter that was drafted number one overall. Peyton Manning was the only other one. Did we see before our eyes last week that, that Trevor Lawrence has turned a corner in terms of the confidence and that it's coming together for him, or did we not know that yet? I think it's a huge step in the confidence direction. Huge step. Um, Jake, I remember we did an exercise back in the offseason. What teams are undoubtedly worse than the Colts in the AFC? And I think on that list, at least me personally, I put down three teams. I put down the Jets, I put down the Texans, and I put down the Jags. I also threw the caveat to you of if you look at those three teams, all three are led by rookie quarterbacks going into their second years. And what if any of those three do what Joe Burrow did in year two? Right. Do what Peyton Manning did in year two. Obviously, Zach Wilson's been hurt. Davis Mills continues to look like a QB that's telling Houston you should probably go draft one next offseason. But how about Trevor Lawrence so far? And again, credit to Doug Peterson, credit to Jacksonville for supporting him. Um, they've got a huge one this week with Philly, undefeated Philly, uh, coming up on Sunday. You know, if you're going to pick an AFC South favorite right now, would you go Indy? Would you go Jacksonville? Do you know the only winless team in the NFL? Oh, Kevin, get, Kevin's Super Bowl pick? You got two of them, right? I thought there was only one. No, there's there? one. Raiders and Texans, correct? Oh, I guess you're right, but Texans at least have a tie. I, yeah. They're the only 0-3 team. Yeah. Do you want to change your Super Bowl pick, by the way? You Raiders. Feel, I know you're on paternity leave, so maybe you're, yeah, you weren't you thinking know, I, clearly I, there. I, I was trying to think outside the box. Um, and clearly, well, you did that. Um, <laughs> clearly, I, I, I think I covered that. Uh, yeah, the Raiders, 11 points combined. Well, didn't you have losses. the Vikings also? No, you had the uh, Raiders beating the Packers. No, I had okay. the Packers. Yeah, what's the, the Vikings? The Packers seem kind of lackluster, too. I know they won, but... Hey, 2-1 and one right the now. The Australians, after. by the way, who are on their way here right now, uh, went. they were in Tampa yesterday. They went to the Bucks packers game. Wow. And uh, the only two comments that I got from Michael, my Australian buddy in Melbourne, about the game itself, uh, the first was, it's blistering hot. That was the first. Uh, the second was, these Packer fans around us are very loud and don't appear to be getting any more quiet. And then the Sounds third, right. the third was women at NFL games are feral. That's like an Australian term. I'm not familiar with that. Well, feral, feral cats, I know. Mm-hmm. So, um, but but so that sounds very derogatory. But in Australian terms, it just simply means like. Is that what Chris Jones said to Matt? Wild Ryan? and crazy. Woo! That's right. That's what it means. That's what Chris Jones <laughs> called him feral. Uh, the Colts win twenty to seventeen, their first win in the month of September in two years. We're hoping for Jeff Saturday around nine thirty. We're battling aviation today. Yes, Mark he's Dyson. on a flight at the moment. Battling a little, little aviation with Jeff Saturday, but hope to have him. Hoping to have Jelani Woods on later in the week. Hey, shout out to Jelani Woods' dad, Gregory Do you think he's Woods, listening? in the YouTube chat. We um, need to get his dad. If his dad is listening, his dad needs to call in. Of like absolutely, and I'm going to call for this like every 20 minutes because his dad, we believe, listens to the show, right? He unless we got Manti Teo'd, his dad was commenting in the YouTube chat saying, "Yes, I am Jelani Woods' father." Pretty cool for Jelani Woods. Grew up Gre- in Atlanta, grew up literally mimicking Matt Ryan in the backyard, throwing to Tony Gonzalez because remember Jelani Woods was a quarterback first right. in college, um, and then that moment. For him yesterday again there are certainly questions um 
it's not like the Colts dominated by any means for 60 minutes, but the result, you just desperately needed it. And you took the gifts and you cashed them in. And if those young pass catchers, if Pearson Woods, who have so much pressure on them right now, if they can build off that, uh, that's where I think you point to something from yesterday and say, all right, uh, maybe you are able to turn this around after such a disappointing start to the season. I'm Kevin Bowen, Jake Query across the way, Mark Dykton on the ones and twos. It looks like a very nice Monday morning here in the city of Indianapolis. We'll take your call, 317-239-1070. Colts get the first win of the season, 20-17. to 17. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Jake, let's begin with yesterday. The rookie on the game-winning touchdown. How about Jelani Woods? His first ever NFL catch goes for a touchdown early in that game. And then he comes back and makes the play to remember here late. Here was the Virginia product on the game-winning TD from Matt Ryan. Definitely say it's just practicing pretty much. Uh, we practiced it all week. Um, it went really well. We executed it in practice. So it was just a, you know, um, the moment to execute it live in the game. And it was just a big moment, you know, trying to win the game pretty much. And I'm glad that he had the trust that was in me to throw it up to me and is try he, to make Is play. he talking to Scuba Steve there? What, what is going on there? You go back and you watch that play and they <laughs> – Kansas City's all over Michael Pittman and Matt Ryan. No hesitancy giving Jelani Woods a chance to make that play. Who would have had Jelani Woods as the first, you know, game-winning touchdown of the year? Oh, the somebody world? had it. They, I saw one of the gambling apps tweeted out a picture of somebody put that on there. Where he's like, any first touchdown score and paid like over like five hundred dollars. Right. I mean, first touchdown, okay, but the game winner. Okay. I mean, think about how many guys you would you turn to. One game does not a season make. I realize, but. Did we did we yesterday see a pretty serious push of the window of opportunity closing for Moali Cox to establish himself as the lead tight end? Yeah, I think you've started to see that. It probably began when you cut him from your fantasy team. Exactly. Well, unfortunately, I had to keep him. I got beat by somebody on the waiver wire, so I had we had an awkward conversation. I had to go back to him and say, you know, I I know that we I had submitted you to be released, but I have to keep you now. The Colts are an early three-and-a-half-point favorite over Tennessee. He's my Miles Turner. On Sunday afternoon. Oh, this is awkward. <laughs> uh, elsewhere around the NFL yesterday, by the way, speaking of the AFC South, it was Houston losing to the Bears 23-20. Jacksonville over the Chargers 38-10. to And then the Tennessee Titans yesterday, who are next on the docket for the Colts, defeating Kevin Bowen's Super Bowl pick, the Las Vegas Raiders, who are now 0-3, 24-22. I'm willing to give you a mulligan there if you'd like. like no, free. you got to stick with it. All right. I, I can appreciate that. you got to right? stick with it. Last year, I wasn't going to bail on Buffalo or the Rams. You know, I, I, I made a – I said to my brother-in-law, I go, this is an outrageous call. I feel like doing something crazy. Let's go with the Raiders. And, hey, close well, losses. It's crazy, all right. It, it is, is certainly is crazy. Wild. You guys stay up for that Sunday night snooze fest? I went to bed with like 10 minutes to go. Yeah, that was bad. I, I, I'd seen too Second many time in league history, it was an 11-10 score. That was the one where I was like, if I miss this game, it's not going to be the worst thing. You did when not miss Gar- much. Garoppolo ran out, ran out of the end zone. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, or or Lofsky's tweet, free at last. Yeah, that was, <laughs> Whatever he that was really good. Uh, college football from this past weekend, Purdue holds on to beat Florida Atlantic without Aiden O'Connell. 
It didn't sound like Jeff Brom was like 100% Aiden O'Connell's going to be back for this weekend. Again, at Minnesota, with already dropping one Big Ten game, that is huge for Purdue coming up this weekend. Minnesota actually looks pretty good. Uh, Indiana loses 45-24. They are at Nebraska. By the way, would you like the coaches poll or the AP poll, Kevin? Uh, do we have Do we have it out? I have both. Yep. Which would you like? Uh, give me the coaches. Uh, coaches poll in college football: Georgia, number one team in the land, followed by Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson, rounding out the top five. Rest of the top ten: USC, Oklahoma State, break up Kentucky, coming in at eighth, and then Tennessee ninth. NC State, who will be at Clemson Saturday night, is ranked tenth. Uh, Mark, give me number uh, eleven through twenty-five. That's college game day, Jake. Eleven Clemson, through twenty-five. Give me yep. 17. Uh, number 17, Texas A&M. Kevin? Is Notre Dame receiving any votes? Notre Dame is not receiving any votes. Michigan State and Maryland are, however. Michigan Minnesota, 23rd in the land. After that effort. God, that's pathetic. All right, we'll continue to take some calls. 317-239-1070. Get your reaction on the Colts' first win of the season. Hopefully, we'll have Jeff Saturday in the 9 o'clock hour. Kevin and Query on a victory Monday here. Colts win 20-17. to 17. 25 minutes before the hour of 8 o'clock, good-looking Monday on a Colts victory Monday here in the Circle City. Jake Quarry along with Kevin Bowen, Mark Dykton here as well. Kevin, I'm going to tee you up with the question that was sent to me via text before we get to phone calls from people reacting to yesterday's big win over Kansas City. Uh, Neil asks, all right, I'm going to go ahead and just lead this off right now. Where was Quentin Nelson and what happened to him? Uh, by the way, Matty Bowen thrilled at the Mark Dykton reentry right there of Rihanna, who will be the halftime show at this Ooh. year's Super Bowl. Um, she was very happy Woo! to hear that news yesterday. Uh, where was Quentin Nelson? Jake, the interior of the offensive line continues to be a liability, particularly in short yardage. I, I don't know how much I honestly put on Nelson himself. I mean, certainly you would hope that you could run behind him and get a half yard, but the issues from Danny Pinter to Brain Smith to Ryan Kelly and just the overall amount of free rushers. Like, how many times was the ball snapped and within two seconds, there's a red jersey in front of Matt Ryan. And I don't think that is squarely on the offensive line. Frank Wright gives full autonomy at the line of scrimmage to his quarterback. That is a – and that's where I'm sitting in the press box thinking, that's a 15-year vet at QB. That's a seven-year vet at center. And they are allowing free rushers like none other. So whether you're not accounting for them properly or you're not finding the hot read properly – it got to a point late in that game, Jake, where I'm thinking there, I'm sitting there thinking, oh my God, Matt Ryan's going to get killed one of these games. Yeah. And it, am I like hurt? Like, I, I mean, Matt Ryan, like Nick Foles, we're going to see Nick Foles play quarterback for the Colts this season. Am I being too critical if I say that Matt Ryan, who undoubtedly, kudos to Matt Ryan, I think he was the big reason why, you know, down the stretch, listen, the penalty on Chris Jones helped, obviously, but when it came down to it, Matt Ryan was able to to lift them up, I think. There was poise. Poise is a good word to say, but is there becoming a trend or a concern over his, uh, at times, inability to hold on to the football? There's like a general awareness that I'm kind of like, wait, isn't this why they got you? Right. Like You're supposed to make all the smart plays, and there's a little bit of that that's uneasy. 12 sacks against Matt Ryan through three games. That means if you kind of multiply that out to 16 games, that would be 64 sacks against Matt Ryan. The career high for him in his NFL career, 48. 
Offensive uh, line, a definite worry. Two three nine ten seventy, the telephone number. Who are we leading off with, Mark? Let's go with Vince. Vince, good morning. What's up, Vince? Hey, good morning, guys. Regular listener. Uh, the sun's going to come up. Beautiful sunrise today. Whistling on the way to work. We got a cold swing yesterday, so all is good. Uh, just a couple points. Um, you know, listen to Romo and Jim Nance call the game yesterday, which is always a you know it's always pretty cool. Uh, and Tony Romo, while he's probably not the most expert person in the world, just made some very good points yesterday. And a lot of it, a lot of the issues, and he even diagrammed a couple of them, um, he feels like it's just a mis- miscommunication still uh, between, like you guys just said, between Matt Ryan and Matt Kelly in, in calling out the reads at the line of scrimmage. And that that's just going to take, he said, it's going to take you know three or four more games uh, before they square that away. He said Matt Ryan's a very, very smart guy, but um, he's coming, you know, there's different terminology that he's coming from, and it's, a, it's kind of a, a new system for him. And uh, he kind of laid that squarely uh, just on the, the calls at the line of scrimmage, uh, the times that, that Matt got just nailed yesterday. Um, I, I will say one more thing, too. Kevin, I agree with you totally. You give a game ball to the defense. Uh, it wasn't flashy. Uh, not a whole lot of quarterback hits. I think we got one sack, but um, you they know, just you hung in up. there, Vince. Yeah, you look up and and Kansas City scores three points in the second half, and it was just solid all the way through. Uh, so I'll hang up and, and let you guys talk. Appreciate it, Vince. I, here's the thing I would say, and look, I want to make very clear here for people. I'm almost apologetic when I say this. I'd like to think that this now that the Colts have a win under their belt with Matt Ryan that this turns the page on everything being compared to Carson Wentz. It's unfair to Carson Wentz. It's unfair to you fans. It's, you know, it's probably unfair to us to have to always talk about it. However, for for now, I'm going to contradict that by saying that Carson Wentz does provide a baseline in terms of from which to compare from a year ago. Uh, Wentz didn't necessarily even go through training camp last year because of the foot issues. And when he did come in, I don't recall if they were there, they may have been, but we, we didn't really discuss it. Uh, there weren't necessarily signal or communication problems with him that we knew of or talked about right well i think the concern too jake it's kind of three-pronged with the o-line and protection right now it's communication issues there's just individual breakdowns i mean danny pinter got thrown out of the club yesterday i mean frank clark literally put him on his you know what keister uh yeah that's a good political if chris jones would use that word i think that's right you know the chiefs might have won that game um (laughs) And then you've got stunt issues, which you saw against Jacksonville. You know, Josh Allen on those stunts, you know, passing those guys off. Um, you know, do you move Matt Pryor over to right guard? And, you know, Dennis Kelly's the veteran. Does he come in at left tackle? Is Bernard Ryman ready after getting banged up? Do you want to shift multiple guys, you know, through your offensive line right now? It's not like I feel like you've played these vaunted defensive lines either. I think Jacksonville's got some guys, but it's not like you're playing, you know, a bunch of studs up front. Certainly, Chris Jones falls into that category, but you know, I don't. Kansas City's kind of an aging group outside of him. Uh, but to the defense, these are kind of some wild stats. And Jake, I, I know you, you're not the biggest stat guy, but how about this? Mahomes and the Chiefs are 28 and 0 when the opponent gets less than 340 yards of total offense. They're 0 and 2 in those games against the Colts. Doesn't it feel like, and, and I'm sure there are numbers that would say otherwise, 
Doesn't it feel like if you were a Chiefs fan, the Colts are the franchise that you feel like you just can't yes. can't get through them? 45-0 and 0 when teams score 26 or fewer points against them with Mahomes at QB. The Colts beat them in 2019 with 19 points. They beat them yesterday with 20 points. And again, you, you didn't get the Taylor part of the blueprint to the level that I thought you needed to, but yet your defense was absolutely outstanding. Uh, Mark, where should we go next? Let's go to uh, Jim. Jim, good Monday morning to you. Good morning. Uh, good Colts win. I just got a couple takes. Uh, first off, uh, Jack Doyle, we don't have a tight end that can block, and that's a huge miss right there. Um, but um, when we went into the spread, everything opened up a little bit, and it's just because we don't have enough blockers. They thought we were going going into this season. They thought we were going to be a power running team. We're going to have to spread it out. We're, they're putting eight guys in the box, and and they're daring us to run because they know we don't have enough blockers. And that's all I got. Thanks, guys. Listen, the part about Doyle in terms of needing a blocking tight end, there's no question about it, right? I mean, we've he looked good on the jumbotron yesterday, Doyle. Uh, Shaquille Leonard very active on the jumbotron. Very active, very active there. Um, you know, not only did you lose Doyle, but Jake, how many times was Michael Pittman just blown up on a screen? And you've lost one of your better blocking wideouts. First off, Pittman is one of your better blocking wideouts. Obviously, he can't block when you're throwing a screen to him. But I think the loss of Zach Pascal is felt too when you're talking about um, you know guys blocking on the perimeter. Hey, listen, we've been really critical of Chris Ballard. I have in particular um, about wideouts. I don't know necessarily that you can say that they have a wideout room just yet, but they do have, at least yesterday, they had options for Matt Ryan. Jelani Woods was huge. How about Pierce? How about Alex Pierce? How about Pierce just in general, right? I mean. So that first catch he made down the Chiefs sideline, just kind of that jump ball to him, that is what you saw at Cincinnati. I mean, Notre Dame and Indiana fans, they saw that firsthand last year when Cincinnati won in both of those, um, you know, visiting stadiums. Um, That is what we saw out of Pierce at training camp is one-on-one situations, you throw him a ball, you give him a chance to go up and get it, and he can make that play. I thought that would be kind of his rookie weapon. We would see that, you know, once every couple games, something like that. You know, to me, he needs two of those balls every game. Because right now, a guy that, Jake, I don't need to see too much of, or I think he's playing too much, is Paris Campbell. Boy, at this point, I'm. is he still on the roster? He's playing too much, and whether he's not getting open or he's not being utilized enough, whatever it is, I think right now I'd like to see Pierce and Doolin get a few more targets than Campbell. The ship has sailed on Campbell now, right? I mean, can't we say that? I mean, I tweeted out the snap counts earlier. He had to have played a ton. He played 58 snaps, Jake. So 67 for Pittman. 58 for Campbell, 32 Pierce, 18 Doolin. Yeah, Strawn. Mike Strawn only had six. Bump up Pierce, bump up Doolin, bump up Strawn, and limit Campbell. Two targets. I mean, granted, he caught him, but two targets for 10 yards, you know, for for your stretch receiver, right? Did they both come on that last drive? They kind of felt like they did. Matt Ryan, Jake, 8 of 10 on that final drive. Uh, How about, did we mention, as you were talking about guys that, 
you know, and this is a guy that I think you've been high on, but made a couple of nice catches yesterday. Not not necessarily, I wouldn't say, like, statistically jumps out at you and, and bites you, but I thought Granson had a couple of nice plays. Yeah, there were a couple of uh, just kind of like he needed to get to the sticks and just move, keep that drive alive. Correct. He did that. Good balls by Matt Ryan, I thought, um, to move those sticks. I, do you think the muff to start the game, do you think that was – window roof related or is that a rookie feeling ashton doolin and a lefty punter causing some havoc boy that's a good question um i don't think i saw the glare on that play as much as every year when the colts play a september home game and the roof is open i'm like god the glare you know what's funny is i went down to the end zone section 152 to say hi to some folks and you know, uh, it's no different than just being anywhere where I get – I don't know what it is about, like, the direction of the sun, but, I mean, it, it is blinding. I get – and I know that people, like, fans are so soft when they complain about the roof being open in that section of 152, but I'm like, dude, it is brutal, man. I'm like, you can't see anything. And I'm like, well, how, why is that – it's it's almost like the way the, the stadium is built, it funnels all the light into like one eight-row section. <laughs> I feel like I'm in section 152 every once in a while when the sun just beams right into. That's the exactly what it's window. like. That's what it's like, and it just it lingers. I feel like too, and you know when he coughed that up, that was in that direction. Hell, the Kansas City kicker missed both the kicks in that direction. What, yeah. what was up with that fake field goal? That was, what was weird. What was up with their? Yeah, the fake field goal was terrible, right? I mean, just to have Mahomes go for it. I don't want to see anybody try to usurp the greatest play in the history of the NFL of the fake punt under Chuck Pagano. That, it'll always stay. That is your creme de la creme, Mm -hmm. Mount Rushmore, Washington Monument, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I mean, do not even try to unseat that as the greatest play in the history of the NFL. Now, what about the Miami punter? Did he try to do that yesterday with the butt punt? What's that? The butt punt. (laughs) A lineman needs a proctologist appointment this morning. Hold on. Did you not see that? I know we had a butt fumble years ago with Mark Sanchez. Well, Mark Sanchez was on Twitter yesterday thanking the Miami Dolphins for that. The undefeated Miami Dolphins, by the way. How about that, man? Hey, I was dead. I'm dead wrong on the Super Bowl pick, but a couple locks from from Friday. Miami covering and Jacksonville covering. Um, yeah, literally, Jake backed up in the end zone, and you know, you know the, the personal protector guy. He just punted it right up as you know what. Um. Did you see at the end of the Miami-Buffalo game the Ken Dorsey tantrum for Buffalo, the offensive coordinator? I did. I didn't know Ken Dorsey had that in him. People jumped all over me for this, but I'm going to stand by it. And I get it. It's the end of the game. You're emotional, whatever. I'm telling you, like when you, when I saw that, and this is how maybe I just know I'm old, but when I saw the video of Ken Dorsey slamming his iPad and slamming his papers, and I mean – the instantaneous combustion of his emotion in that moment, I thought two things. Number one, I thought if I was somebody who was looking at him as a coaching candidacy, like at a head coaching job or something like that, I would think to myself, like, whoa, like in the moment of intense pressure, like that's his reaction. And I know people were like, dude, you just don't know how to compete. Okay, whatever. Number two, and I know that this is me way overthinking it. I get it. Guilty as charged. But when I watch something like that, and I think if that's the way that he handles his emotions or he handles his frustrations when the cameras are on him, what's he like when he goes home? I can't be the only one that thought that. 
because it was a little absurd. Did anybody say anything about Tom Brady breaking two tablets last week on the sidelines? I get it. Seen Aaron Rodgers throw a few in his day. I, I get it, but like that's, I, I think it, it does feel different because it was hilarious, frankly. I mean, Rodgers and Rodgers and and Brady; those are moments where they're like they're mad at themselves. I don't know. It just, I'm just thinking to myself, like, dude, you are being entrusted to make critical decisions in the heat of the moment. And I know that that was once the game ended. But seeing that display of combustible emotion would make me, if I was thinking about hiring somebody in a coaching situation, think, I don't know, man. Do his emotions get the best of him when it, when you it matters most? think there's any most? owner or GM out there that says, I love that fire. It's helped them get to the level of being the quarterback on arguably the greatest college football team ever. It's helped them get to the level of being an OC on arguably the best team in the league right now. There's some fire in there that I want. Uh, probably. I think there are also some that would that that would give them pause. Quite frankly, to be honest with you, what but, uh, what led to that? Like, what what was the play? Well, I, it was I, the end I of the game. Watching. Buffalo Buffalo was was moving down the field trying to win the game, and they ran they ran out of clock time. Got it. They didn't. They were supposed to do whatever to to get a, a last play in, and they ran out of time. Josh Allen got like under pressure, and he threw it, and they tried to get to the sidelines and just couldn't. Right. Gotcha. Here's Ken Dorsey, by the way, talking about that afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'd like to think I'm not too much of a psychopath. So there you go. I, for a second, I thought that was real. That is real. That is real. That is his audio. Yeah. Yes. They made him available after the game. No, that was that no, was, that was before. a couple couple days before. <laughs> um. Mark, I'm shocked. You know, 751. You haven't played the Mr. Gilmore audio. I mean, How about that pass deflection? That was nice. D- didn't it almost feel like at that point, if Kansas City completes that ball, did anyone else have the feeling like that kicker's going to make it from 55? He- he's missed all the short ones. He's about to get cut. I kept if, waiting for them to trot out Justin Reed. This is what sums up Kansas City yesterday. All the gifts, all the mistakes. Their head coach literally got asked in the postgame press conference if he ever thought about taking his starting safety and putting him at place kicker. Dead serious. That's how bad it was for their kicking situation. This one for Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, I got now, it. after yesterday, though, he's got to know Alec Pierce's first name, doesn't he? He does. I don't know if he... <laughs> poor, poor Alec Pierce. <laughs> He earned his dessert yesterday, God, that right? Was such a great catch by Pierce, the first one. And and the second one on the final drive, that is more of the Pierce that I think some people were curious about at the NFL level. You know, him high pointing the ball on the Kansas City sideline, making that highlight play. That's what he did in college. It's it's kind of the normal whiteout stuff that you're like, can Pierce do that? And he had that comeback there on a second and seven, and it was a beautiful pitch and catch, and it was a big play. If you don't complete that, it's a third down. You're still outside the red zone. The clock's under a minute. Now, I did just receive a text here of the butt punt itself, Kevin. Yeah. So this is my first time viewing it from Jake Lewis, who hopes that I'll talk about it on the air. Let's see here. And you know who the punter is, Jake. Uh, is it um, Reggie Roby still in Miami? Is he still there? It, it's the uh, it's the onside kick guy from the Super Bowl. Colt Super Bowl. Colt Saints. The punter is – oh, the, it's the Saints – Onside kicker? Mm-hmm. Thomas I thought Morstead. you meant Hank Basket. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> right? You don't want to mention that name around yeah, here. You do not do not want to mention that. Uh, Kurt, want to talk about the offensive line, Mark? Yeah. What's up, Kurt? 
Not much. How are you guys? Doing great. How are you? I am great. Hey, um, you know, I I was just thinking about this offensive line and, you know, some of the challenges we've had. And I did call you guys back in February or March when we did not re-sign Chris Reed. And I thought that was a big miss because we were just creating another hole that they were going to have to fill in the draft. And, um, you know, although I guess to contradict myself, if they had signed him, you know, that would take him from, what, the highest paid offensive line to another level, I guess. But anyway, just really – Really disappointing. I don't know if they uh, need to bring back uh, Dave Guglielmo, like some people have said, but uh, he's he's there at Boston College. Maybe maybe give him a call. It just seems like they need someone who will uh, hold him accountable and maybe rip into him a little bit. I don't know what the problem is. You know, the, one thing to note about Chris Reed, he signed with Minnesota in the offseason. Jake, I think he went to, like, Minnesota State or one of those schools. Again, I think we get caught up in free agency so many times. Of Is like, that the school in Coach? Remember the show Coach? Wasn't that Minnesota State? Just right over my head with that one. I remember that show. Um, I think there's times in free agency where a guy wants to go back to his home. Go and he start. I believe he's starting for the Vikings right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but to Kurt's point, they literally just handed the starting jobs to Danny Pinter and really to Matt Pryor as well. There was no real competition. Mark Lewinsky with the Giants, Chris Reed with the Vikings. Uh, that to me, I think, is a little bit more of a question on the offensive line. Is um, they just really handed those starting jobs to those guys, and they were incredibly unproven. Again, Danny Pinter's never played guard in his life until entering the season, and Matt Pryor, compared to 99% of the left tackles in the league, has barely played over there. Uh, Minnesota State is, in fact, the the school where they coached in the movie and the TV show Coach. Chris Reed was like a um, Did you not watch Coach? That seems like it would have been right in your wheelhouse. No, did I? I mean, you would have been like in middle school. And it's a, uh, it was on from 1989 to 1997. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that would have been eight to ten. Years I mean, your old. elementary school years, but I mean, it was a sitcom about a I was fictional watching football recess. coach. But like in 1996, when you were 13 years old, like a TV show about a football coach. In '96, I, I was seven years old. I thought you were born '83. '89. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, never mind then. <laughs> We've been doing this show for how long, Mark? Oh, almost a year. Wait till you Feels turn like ten. Wait till you turn fifty. You guys are all youngins. Right? Last two seasons, he coached a fictional National Football League team called the Orlando Breakers. That's a weak name. Orlando Breakers was the name supposed to be the name of a USFL team, right? Well, they stole it from Coach. Then the so, Boston Breakers moved to actually they were Orlando for a year, and then they were supposed to move to Portland, and then the, the league folded. So undefeated teams. Back in 83 when Kevin was born. <laughs> Undefeated teams through three weeks. Dolphins, Eagles, and we'll see if the Giants can continue that tonight. Who would have guessed it now? What would you have gotten for that trifecta? Right? How about the over-under on Giants-Cowboys tonight? Boy. I'm gonna. Can I guess what it is? Sure. 35 and a half. Cooper Rush and Daniel Jones. 35 and a half. 39. And a half. Take the under. Which in NFL standards, hey, that is like. What happened with Iowa? Did you see Iowa and Rutgers had like the lowest over under in quite some time? In, I saw Iowa had a pick six. Let me see what the final was there. Hold on. I got it somewhere. I mean, here. don't you have to just take the over tonight and just cheer for points? Yeah, pretty much. We've had this methodology before, and I feel like it's worked. Uh, now, you know, come from someone that, again, Pick the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl, so take that for what it's worth. 
I think the over-under in Iowa Rutgers was 36, and the final score was 27-10. Vegas. <laughs> Unbelievable. Las Vegas. 8 o'clock hour coming up. Kevin and Query, Jeff Saturday. Hopefully will join us a little bit later in the show. We'll continue to take your calls, 317-239-1070. Something we'll get to as well. Um, how about a GOAT of the weekend? You could go all caps for your GOAT of the weekend. <laughs> You could go lowercase on that one. We'll hand that out here. Coming up, Kevin Aquari, 93.5, 107.5, the fan. Townsend, the punter, to be the holder. Snap. It's a fake. Townsend is going to throw it over the head of his intended receiver. It is second and 10 to the 12-yard line. Colts down by four. Ryan backs the pass. Looking, looking. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Snap takes it, looking left. He's going to fire up field. Broken up, tip it, and intercepted by the Colts. Intercepted by the Colts. It's Rodney McLeod. Colts have it. Interception. Two seconds left, and the Colts are going to win. There's no doubt our backs were against the wall, and we responded. And I think that's a testament to our players. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Don't call it a comeback. First win of the season for the Indianapolis Colts yesterday. I'm a big believer in you also create some luck. Certainly you got some gifts from the Kansas City Chiefs, but that defensive performance, um, hell of an effort. It's not like you had, you know, four turnovers. It's not like you sacked Mahomes a bunch of times like you did in the 2019 upset in Arrowhead. You just hung in there. And I felt like, Jake, at any point, if the score would have got to two, scores like if the margin would have got to 10 or 14 I thought that would have been enough to do in the Colts and it never got there you're right the Chiefs had plenty of opportunity to put that one away early it felt like right Kelsey had a drop in the end zone he tweeted after the game that that cost him the game um but still you know there was a first and goal from the three to start the third quarter that opening drive and that was a huge stop right there and obviously the kicking blunders by Kansas City was well documented Um, there was one point where like I, I think I said to Brennan King at one point, man, it feels like the Colts like should be down three scores. You know what I mean? Like they were, they were still within one single score. To your point, Kevin, it might have been like late second or early third, and I'm like, man, it feels like they they're getting blown out of the building here. Right. Oh yeah. Like they were just hanging on for dear life. You know what I mean? Sure. And I mean, how many times did you look at it and say, God, Kansas City is just? I don't know if I've seen a quality opponent try and gift wrap a game more. In my life. Right. And I don't I don't think we view Kansas City like that. You know, Andy Reid, and I thought 10 days off, I thought they'd be locked in. I thought the AFC West and how, you know, close that division is, what Buffalo did on Monday Night Football, that would be a wake-up call to Kansas City. Like, we cannot afford any sort of slip-up. Uh, but just so undisciplined and awful special teams. I ran into, I'm trying to think if it was Thursday or Friday. I guess it would have been Friday night. Um Went out to dinner and ran into Rick, who came out and saw us at the night at the Fan Cave from Lebanon. And he said, so what's going to happen Sunday? I said, man, I think the Colts are going to win. And he said, I do too. I'll be calling in. We'll talk. We'll be talking about a Colts win. And it, it was. I wasn't saying that, Kevin, because I thought necessarily that like the Colts were, you know, just ready to uncork it and explode. It just felt like 
this franchise, and in particular, to some extent, under Frank Reich, this team, when you kind of write them off is when they all of a sudden, they don't blow you away, but they put together a solid effort where you go, okay. Yeah. And when you look at the first two games, I, you know, the Houston thing is pretty inexcusable. But Jacksonville, I, you see what Jacksonville did yesterday. I, you know, I don't know. Like, I think it's the, still the humiliation of Jacksonville, getting shut out, though. For sure. I mean, that's almost inexcusable, right? right? But but my point being, you know, Jacksonville yesterday showed some some offense about them where you're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, maybe they are competent. I don't think Jacksonville's going to be one of those teams that all of a sudden puts together a miraculous 12-win season. But I think that they are somebody who will be competent throughout the course of the year. As much as we talked in the last two weeks about a staple and not a good staple of a Frank Reich coach team has been awful starts to seasons, the other side of it is what we saw yesterday in that when their backs are against the wall, they, more often than not, do deliver. And I think that's what just adds the frustration of, you know, why can't you put it all together when that bullseye and, and you're playing? They, they, they seem to play to their competition, <laughs> like good and bad, you know, it, and, and there's two sides to that coin. But I think the Frank Reich emotion in the postgame locker room, to me, said everything. I thought he felt it last week. I know his words weren't very different. I thought his body language di- was different um, all week long. And I thought you saw emotion out of him in that postgame locker room that you don't typically see. Hey, Jake, the Colts are – basically the Jags to Kansas City. No answer why. <laughs> they just always beat them. That's probably a good way of saying it, right? That is a good way to say it. Uh, we're going to start a, a new segment here on the Mondays following um, NFL weekend, obviously college football weekend as well, the GOAT of the weekend. And this can be viewed, I guess, in two different lights. You could go all capital letters with your GOAT, and throw out the greatest of all time, or you can go lowercase goat, and that would obviously not be a good thing. Jake Query, who would be your goat of the weekend? So, in the spirit of keeping things balanced, because I have a feeling that you're going to go with <laughs> that kind of goat, right? I'm not going to say greatest of all time, obviously, but I'm going to go with the goat on a positive side. That was a good goat sound. Thank you. Um, This guy when he was in college, was a really good player. I think a lot of people felt like he was a good player because of the great players around him, and maybe he wasn't given total credit. I have mentioned before that I always liked this guy's maturity and leadership. When he was drafted into the NFL, I think there were a lot of people that felt like, a la Lamar Jackson, that He was going to have to prove that he was a legit quarterback and not just an athlete and that, you know, he wasn't just somebody who benefited from great rosters around him. The Philadelphia Eagles are 3-0. And I think now it is time to go ahead and permanently plant the flag in the ground of, yes, in fact, Jalen Hurts is a legitimate NFL quarterback. Yesterday, going against in a game that you know had to be important to that franchise because of the quarterback on the other side with the Washington Commanders. Jalen Hurts, 22 of 35, 340 yards, three touchdowns, rating of 123.5, also another 20 on the ground. Um, And I just think a good leader and has now shown that the people who doubted that he was a legit NFL quarterback – here he has a franchise with as rabid a fan base and a media as any in the NFL, and he's got him 3-0, so kudos to Jalen Hurts. And again, a big credit to Philly for supporting him properly. The A.J. Brown trade, you saw it in week one yesterday. How about Devontae Smith? 
Huge. Huge I think day. I had Devontae Smith on the bench of my fantasy team, <laughs> by the way. That's not great. You look at the Eagles' schedule. They're 3-0 and right now. Jacksonville, at Arizona, Dallas, bye week. Pittsburgh, Houston, Washington. On paper right now, I bet they're favored by at least five points in all those games. Maybe at Arizona they're not. And then Indianapolis. Nick Sirianni, Frank Reich, Sunday, November 20th. That's a game that maybe in May you wouldn't have gone there, but now you are. Uh, Yeah, please play that again, Mark. I I think you could go co-goats of the week, lowercase. I think um, either Chris Jones or Matt Amendola. (laughs) Sounds like a farm here this morning. uh, Hold on, hold on. Let me ask you something. Now, a goat... That one doesn't sound great, like just waking up. A yeah. goat and a sheep and a ram. Do we know the difference between these? Not Are sure goats, I, do the goats go with the sheep and the ram, or are they like cousins? Not sure if I heard many ram sounds. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's a, there's a sheep in there, right? Or a lamb? Yeah, a maybe, lamb, a, maybe a chicken. Is a lamb a baby know. sheep? I think so, yeah. And then a sheep is a female, and a and a ram or a goat is a male, and a ram is just, or a, what, now where's a goat coming from? The ram is a male, and the goat, what's the goat then? I don't know. Do you know, Kevin? I, I do not. Aren't you thrilled that we came up with this segment? I think, uh, ha- have you ever seen a penalty for abusive language? Yeah. I'm about to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I feel like the unsportsmanlike. I feel like this is going to be a one and done segment. They're going to be like, don't, don't do that again. I feel like the unsportsmanlikes that I see are usually involving some sort of shove, some sort of like physical Correct. altercation. Well, that- I, I've, I don't know if I've ever seen a penalty verbally. And you got to think if you're Kansas City and you're Andy Reid, you're like, please tell me you warned Chris Jones. I, I heard Matt Taylor say this is. Arguably the biggest boneheaded play this guy's going to make in his career. Oh, without question. And a question. good player. I mean, great player. I mean, he had to have said some sort of slur. <laughs> Come from Chris Jones after the game, and I quote, I have to do a better job of not talking to opposing teams. I don't think I said anything vulgar or disrespectful, but I just can't say anything within the heat of the moment. The game is changing, so I have to evolve with the game. I don't think I said anything horrendous, but the official called it, and I can't take it back, so I have to do a better job of playing the game and not saying anything. It does make you wonder. Typically, you can tell, Kevin, it's usually pretty obvious when somebody does something that was egregious when there is zero complaint from anybody. Right? And, like, there was zero complaint from anybody. I felt like the complaint from the Chiefs were just more just kind of shock of, like, wait, did that just happen? Unless, like... We're going to chase the officials off the field. And it should be noted, I think Sean Smith, the head official, he's the one who threw the flag. You know, I think it's one of those situations where if you're the back judge and you witness something like that, you know, do you feel like you've got the, I don't know, the clout to make such a game-changing penalty? Because if that flag is not thrown, the Chiefs win the game. Totally. It's Chiefs over. Hadn't, hadn't punted in five drives. I mean, that, that ended the game, right? Five minutes to go in the game. The game's over. So I will give my go to of the week. And as Mark said, this will probably be the final time that we do this segment. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine why. I will give my goat of the week to Chris Jones. By the way, I don't think goat and sheep are related. <laughs> <laughs>
Let's go to Terry. Terry, oh, to I don't talk. get to do mine. We're just going to skip right through that. I have a quick one real quick. You just did yours <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> mine, uh, real quick, call me a homer if you want. Khalil Herbert stepping in for David Montgomery, who went down with an ankle injury in the first quarter, ripped off 20 carries for 157 yards and two touchdowns. Great performance by Khalil Herbert and the Chicago Bears. Much needed yeah. with their quarterback yes. situation. Justin Fields struggling. Khalil Herbert put the team on his back and put them in a victory. And I'm glad Patrick noticed this as horrific as the Chiefs kicking was yesterday. How about Chase McLaughlin? Yeah. 43-51 and 51 for McLaughlin yesterday. They're not the prettiest looking things, but they went in. Um, and also, he kicked the ball inbounds on kickoffs. Listen. Now, I'm curious by this. I'm going to sound like an idiot. They activated him on Friday off of the practice squad, right? Uh-huh. So to do that, they just simply have to inactive, inactivate somebody else. Is that right? Or no, deactivate so somebody these else? these new uh, COVID practice squad rules that are still in effect for this season. You are allowed to promote a guy three different times throughout the season, and it has no effect on the game day roster. Gotcha. You can do two a game. So, so this, they've bumped him up twice. They'll bump him up next week, theoretically. So this poor guy's getting gift cards Monday through Friday, and then he gets a salary Saturday and Sunday, and then back to gift cards? Well, he gets a game day check for playing in the That's game. That's what I mean. But 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 during the course of the week, yeah. like if if he's on the practice squad, it's Dave and Buster's, I think, is what they get. They get game cards there. <laughs> now, Dave they will have to make a permanent roster move at some point with him. Um, but, yeah, Chase McLaughlin, great work yesterday. Let's get to Terry. Terry, I want to talk about the Colts' defense. Hey, two things. Number one, what is the record of the Colts since they won that playoff game on the frozen turf of uh, Kansas City? Have we gone undefeated against them? And you talking about? Uh, uh, you talking about way back in the mid '90s when Lynn Elliott missed three yeah. kicks? Yep. Um, I don't Have know undefeated Kansas City since then. Well, lost to them in the playoffs, you know, a couple years ago. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about regular season. I, I believe there's a loss in there. I seem to recall Alex Smith having a big game at in Indy, but I would have to look that up, Terry. And then uh, Zaire Franklin yesterday looked fantastic. 12 tackles that he was in on. I watched one play where he just shed his blocker, stepped forward, hit him for a loss, and he looks like he's just quietly coming on. Uh, I would agree with – look, there have been – and they've lost – first off, let's get to this. They've lost twice to Kansas City since then. They lost – uh, 45-7 in 2004, is that right? Uh, no, I'm sorry, 45-35 in 2004. And then they lost uh, 28-24. That was a playoff game, is that right? And I know they lost a playoff game in Arrowhead. I, I didn't think it was that close um, a couple years ago. Okay, I thought, no, I'm I thought sorry. they lost a home game with Alex Smith. They lost to him in 16 and 19. So they've lost him a couple times, the Colts. Yeah, 19 would be the playoff game, I think. 16 would Colts be. Colts lead the series overall, though, 18-10. to 10. Um. In terms of Zaire Franklin, there have been a couple guys I thought that, that when their number was called, Kevin, yesterday kind of rose to the occasion. Alec, you know, But in, defensively, yes, Zaire Franklin, Alec Pierce we talked about, Jelani Woods we talked you about. You know, I want to mention the secondary, Jake. Again, what personnel changes are we going to see? I asked that question on Friday. Isaiah Rogers was a name that I thought we'd see. We did see more of him. I think he played over 20 snaps. Um, but the other significant personnel change, they benched Nick Cross. The rookie out of Maryland started week one. They dialed back his playing time a little bit week two. He still started. He still played more than half the snaps. They benched him yesterday. He played one snap. They started Rodney McLeod. Well, then Julian Blackman gets hurt. 
And I'm thinking to myself, okay, here comes Nick Cross. He's going to go in the game. McLeod's a veteran. He's played free safety before. They'll move McLeod to free safety. They didn't do that. They brought in Rodney Thomas II out of Yale, a guy who played a ton of positions in college. I don't think safety was kind of his primary um, position there. Do you remember the play from Sunday? I think it was late in the first half. Mahomes stepped up and had a guy over the middle of the field, and Rodney Thomas dove and knocked the ball away yes. at the last second. The play was called back due to holding, but it was an unbelievable play by Thomas. It won't show up in the box score, but I thought he did a really nice job. And think about that. It's hard enough defending Mahomes to begin with. Now you've got moving parts in your secondary. Uh, big, big kudos to Gus Bradley, defensive coordinator, Ron Miles, the defensive backs coach. Um, I thought they handled that really, really well. There was another uh, defensive back for the Colts that, quite frankly, through the first two games, because he was a big offseason acquisition, you wondered if they didn't get, like, the defensive version of Andre Johnson. And then yesterday, I think, uh, started to see that, you know, there's a reason that they went out and got him. This one from Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> now, did you guys see the Ursay video after the game? Did not. Mark, you want to dial up that audio? Um. Look like he's got one of those Jerry World buses now. Well, uh, do you notice that he? I've, I've noticed this. No, not the Kevin. locker. This is just outside. The Interesting, locker room. you mentioned this. Do you notice that every video now where Ursay is talking outside, it at the end of the video, it pans over to show his bus. Have you noticed that? It, they always end the video. They are big panners. They, they always the end the video by panning over so that you can see that he's standing next to a bus. So he's always in between a bus. And a plane. And Drake the dog always gets a lot of good FaceTime. Correct. Drake was in the postgame locker room. I thought maybe Jelani Woods would maybe hold up Drake like Simba Cam and, you know, they could kind of celebrate. I was I was going down yesterday at half down to, like I said, to see some people in the stadium. And I get on the elevator and, you know, there's a $720 million stadium. Of course, it's only fitting that there'd be two elevators in the entire place. And one of them is held for coaches, as you know, right before the half. So there's only one elevator running. So everybody's packed on it. And one guy gets on and the, little, the elevator attendant is asking, where does everybody want to go? And this guy said, suite level. And they said, well, there are two suite levels. And, he's, and, then, and then he says, he's in the back of the elevator. So he says, I need the suite level. Well, sir, there's two suite levels. Whichever one's Mr. Ursay's suite, that's where I'm going, the owner's suite. I'm going to see the owner. Whoa. Everybody was very impressed. Did he have the desserts? <laughs> he had a dessert. This one for Mr. Gilmore. Here was Jim Ursay yesterday afterwards on the win. Well, here I am after the big men against the tough Chiefs. It was one heck of a ball game. It was back and forth. All right. It was an unbelievable victory. Uh, everyone here is so excited. Uh, we love the Chiefs, the Chiefs organization, the Hunt family. They always deliver a great product. Andy Reid was out there trying to win that game. Such a great coach. But I give all our coaches, the players, so much credit. They hung in there. They kept fighting. It was a tough game. It was one of those games. Either team loses, they're going to have something to answer for on some vulnerability on theirs. But if you get the win, it's a win, and that's all that counts. We got a great win as underdogs. So go Colts, and I will be Mars. Is it required that the engine must be running at every time they record a video? <laughs> Did it pan over the bus? a plane, a bus. Yeah. Get that engine going before you hit record. <laughs> it was one of those 360 pans. He they should do one of those of videos from inside a crew car wash. 
<laughs> right. You uh, you make anything? Wax. You make anything out of that comment? The losing team would have to answer to something. Uh, that's a good point. No, there's there's no way, Kevin, that you make decisions like that in a vacuum based on the result of one game, right? Well, certainly it wouldn't be one game. It'd be more of a byproduct of the last five games. Right. And I couldn't agree more on his phrase there of hung in there. Like, I just felt like the defense, I know bend but don't break is such like a negative stereotype, but that's what I felt like. And that's what you kind of got to do against that Chiefs offense. There are a few times they lost Kelsey. I think I was disappointing, but the run defense continues to be good. And I just thought they smartly rushed Mahomes. One sack will not tell the full story. I thought they did a nice job of just forcing Mahomes off his spot. Mahomes loves to you know scramble and escape and keep plays alive, but he likes to do that on his own will. I thought the Colts kind of forced him into some of those. Here's, here's a really good point from Nick, or a good question maybe, rhetorically. On Twitter, Nick Martin says, I think the unsportsmanlike flag was a makeup for the two-point conversion call. <laughs> I was surprised that the two-point yeah, conversion challenge up, you know, was not overturned and that, that the play on the field upheld that that was a two-point conversion. I thought once he had control, his knee was down short I, of the goal line. That's exactly what I thought. Now, they called totally it agree. a good conversion on the field. I'd be curious if that was flipped. If they didn't call it a good conversion, would they have enough evidence right. to overturn it? Um, Kevin points this out. Yes, we won yesterday and rookie stepped up, but keep that pressure on this team for a lack of vets, tight ends and, at, at tight ends and wideouts. Yeah, Kevin, that's going to be there all season long. But again, you've, I mean, what Pearson Woods did on that final drive, what does that do for their confidence? Because, you know, both of those, those guys, they were kind of late bloomers in college to being really big time threats, probably Woods more than Pierce. But what can those do for those guys? Did you look and see if Jelani Woods' dad is on the YouTube chat this morning? I scrolled through it once, and I have not seen Because Gregory if he is, Woods we need him there. to call in. We know he's listening to the program. We need him to call in, right? Now, do you think he could have been maybe at his son's first home game and maybe he's traveling back or That's something like that? That's also entirely possible. Hoping to have Jelani Woods on later in the week. Uh, let's sneak in one more call here. Mark, who do you think we should go with? Uh, let's go with Bill. Bill, good Monday morning. Hey, good morning. First time caller, long time listener. That's right. <laughs> Love it. What's up, TB? Hey, man, I, I think uh, what the Colts really need to do is keep Granison on the field and play him at fullback. If there was ever a team that screams for that position to be there to protect Matt Ryan and gives him a good athlete and, and another receiver that, that uh, possibly that, that Ryan could uh, – uh, could throw the ball to too many wideouts. Paris Hilton, you know, or Paris Campbell. I'm sorry. Well, he well, is Paris that. Hilton at times, right? Well, he, definitely, he, he definitely, definitely is. So that's what I would do. What do you think about reenacting the position of fullback? Well, that's a lost position, lost art position. No question about that, right? I'm curious, Bill's search history lately on the old <laughs> computer. Um, the the Chiefs converted right a fourth and one with their fullback. Did they not? Like an actual fullback. Yeah. I love fullbacks. Um, I think they really worry about Kylan Granson blocking, to be honest with you. He's much more of a receiving type of tight end. Like, think Trey Burton from a couple years ago. And I think Granson can be effective there. Um, and I thought he's had some nice plays this season. Jake, you know, we haven't talked a lot about the short yardage. It's just such a crime that that offensive line 
cannot get you a yard. Did you see the Jonathan Taylor leap yesterday on fourth and one? Yeah, I mean. Did he leap three yards behind the line of scrimmage? And did he leap? Why would you leap behind a left guard that makes $20 million a year? Shouldn't that left guard be able to push for a half a yard? I mean, he leapt from that far back. Is leapt the right word there? I don't know if that's the proper tense, but he had to take off from that far back because they had just gotten blown up on the offensive line, and Kansas City had totally reset the line. Do, of do you know the Chiefs have a, a player that they activated on the roster yesterday named DiCaprio Boodle? That might be my that, that's he like Bismack Biombo has just become my favorite NFL player. He's do you know? Got to be a specialist. Do you know why DiCaprio Boodle is my favorite player? Because his name is DiCaprio Boodle, right? Does he not date women over 25? That's it. I mean, that's, well, his, those are his Boodles. So. Yeah. I don't know who the latest DiCaprio Boodle is, but she's 24 years old, right? Yeah. Mark, are you a UFC guy? Not really, no. Yeah, Big Cuff says this, and this is spot on. If you watch the UFC and know of Chris Jones' his brother, John, you know restraint doesn't necessarily run in their family. Uh, I watched Arthur Jones one time uh, get into it with Mike Chappell in the locker room. Uh, Arthur Jones of the Colts. On a scooter. Chappell was on a scooter or Arthur Jones was? Well, it's a good question. Unfortunately, Chapp has battled some lower body stuff. Uh, it was Arthur Jones. Uh, Arthur Jones, I've always said, his finest moment and contribution as a Colt is during the deflate gate game when they come out to take the footballs. Arthur Jones is doing stretches on the field next to the <laughs> in the clip where they show the, the ref coming out. Every time they see it, all you see is Arthur Jones is standing next to him and he, he uses the downtime to do some stretching. That's quite – now, those three are brothers, right? I think that's correct. That's quite the family. To say the least. Or is it Chandler Jones, am I, am I now thinking of? No, you might be thinking of Chandler Jones. Let's see here. It might be I Chandler did, Jones. So, wait a minute. So, the, of the, so, Arthur Jones. Arthur and John – Arthur and the UFC are, guy are brothers. That is, that is undoubtedly true. Is the third true. brother Chandler or Chris? Well, did you say that the – Okay, Chandler is Arthur and John. So stand corrected. Cove, it is Chandler Jones. Not Charlie Jones. So I don't know if <laughs> the oh, Purdue wideout, <laughs> who looks very good. I'd take Charlie Jones right now in the Colts, for sure. I'd like to get DiCaprio Boodle, actually, if they had to sign somebody off the Kansas City roster. Uh, time for a morning check down. The Morning Checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, All right, college football from this past weekend. Uh, Indiana awful, down 38-10 early to Cincinnati in that one. They lose, and Jake, they don't cover. They don't cover because they were within, they were 14 down. Line was 16 and a half. They go for it on fourth and 10 from like their own four. Appears that they get sacked, which would have made it a 16-point spread, and they'd have punted away with 50 seconds left. Cincinnati runs clock out, end of game. Anybody that took Indiana on the points, winner, winner, chicken dinner. No. Instead, they get stopped at the half-yard line. Cincinnati takes over on downs, first and goal from the half-yard line with like a minute left. And it's like, ah, what the heck? I guess we'll sneak it in. And they score a touchdown. Cincinnati covers. Purdue holds off Florida Atlantic without Aiden O'Connell. His presence for this Saturday at Minnesota is a must. Notre Dame puts up – they got over 50, didn't they? 
Um, they beat North Carolina pretty handily. Notre Dame was impressive. I was frankly shocked they could put up that many points. Um, NFL-wise, what, what else caught your guys' eye? I mean, certainly Miami yesterday for me. Um, AFC South, they go 3-0 and against the AFC West. Jacksonville uh, beats the Chargers. That's the big one, Jacksonville. I, hey, how about... Yeah, Tennessee hold on to beat the Raiders. I mean, Tennessee needed that. I mean, they were they're staring at 0 3. No question about it. I listen, Jacksonville, you wonder if that means that they've kind of turned the corner, so to speak. Uh, I thought Rams and Arizona was going to be a really good game. It was competitive, but um Arizona now one and two, and you wonder if the Cardinals, you know, if we didn't overhype them. Again, very early in the year, no question about it. Did you guys see the tweet yesterday that the loser of Brady Rogers had to call his family? Mm-hmm. Did I say that again? The loser of Brady Rogers had to call his family. Ooh, wow. That's oh, this is awkward. <laughs> uh, something's going on with Tom Brady. He looks weird, right? Now, you've mentioned just physically there's been a lot of work done. I, is that what you're referencing? Yeah. You he just, his football demeanor? You know, one thing I've noticed as you get older, your hair gets drier and more wiry. Like, as you gray, now I think he's dying his hair, but it, like, his hair looks like a Brillo pad now. Like, he's got dry, weird-looking hair. He looks like a Muppet, quite frankly. That's what he looks like. Tom Brady lately, and this was a, a guy the first time Tom Brady's ever been called a Muppet? He's, he's, he's been a dashingly good-looking guy for the vast majority of his career, and now all of a sudden he looks like literally one of the Fraggle Rock or Muppet characters. Mark, can you look up who the is favorite in the AFC South is right now? Sure. I'd be curious after yesterday's result. Excuse well, me. Jacksonville's, I mean, listen, it's, I mean, we're three games in, but Jacksonville's in a unique spot because not only are they, you know, two and one in a, in a game up on Indy in the win column, but they've obviously got a win over them. Well, we're three mm. games in, Jake, but the Colts are about to play three AFC South games right. the next four. The Colts are going to be five, six of their way done with the AFC South schedule yeah. by a month from now. Texans plus 2,700, Titans plus 260, Jaguars plus 220, Colts plus 110. Mm, so Colts certainly are the favorite in the Jaguars, though, plus 220. If you're uh, Aaron, value. Aaron Judge, no homers. Five nope. straight games. How about that? Albert Pujols, 699 and 700 over the weekend. Yeah. How long was he on 699? Like 20 minutes? Yeah, for a while. Was it one at bat? I don't I think, know. Wasn't I, th- it? I thought he was on there for, yeah. See, oh, for, yeah. I thought you meant to get to 699. But no, yeah, no, no, hitting 699 to yeah. 700, yeah, one at bat. Continue to take your calls, 317-239-1070. The Colts' first win of the season over Kansas City yesterday. Jeff Saturday, he will join us uh, in the 9 o'clock hour. Game balls, Colts defense. Whoever made the call and opened up the roof. Chase McLaughlin. I was surprised when I was – I got down there a little late yesterday. Chris and, Jones, too. Um there were a couple of drops of rain on my car as I was driving down Capitol on my way to the game, and there was a pretty dark cloud over the sky, and I'm like, whoa, like that's – usually it has to be there's not any precipitation between here and Guam for them to open the, the roof, you know what I mean? I, I was surprised when I saw Ursay's tweet. Um, I will say on that punt, you know, part of this is what makes Matt Hawk an attractive punter. He's a lefty, and guys aren't used to that. The spin of the ball is a little bit different. And I thought Ashton Doolin did a great job of just being in his face, being right there. You know, Sky Moore clearly lost it and had to kind of shift to his right. And I mean, when you think about it, Jake, how big that play was, CBS flashed up the graphic. I think as soon as that muff punt happened, 
The Colts, the Colts had gone 14 straight drives without scoring a point. 14 straight drives without scoring a you point. Know, you needed something to go your way. You like they it was three and out. Matt Ryan had just gotten smoked on a third down. You just needed something, and the Colts got it there, and obviously were able to cash it in. So let me seven. ask you this, Kevin. And listen, it's great that the Colts won. Don't get me wrong. But what areas of concern yesterday, what was masked by the win if they had not won that game? And they did. But if that penalty doesn't take place, the Chiefs get the ball back, run the clock out, and the Colts had lost, what would we be talking about today as the glaring concerns of the Colts that have yet to go away? Yeah, easily the offensive line. line. And I would just say the offensive operation in general. But it starts at the O-line, the highest paid O-line in the league. I, I don't – we'll have time, I think, the rest of the week to focus a little bit more on that. I, I feel like with how bad the start to the season has been, I think focusing on the result and finally getting that win is where our focus should be. But, yeah, to answer your question, Jake, it would be the offensive line. I legit thought Nick Foles was going to make an appearance in that game. Again, I, I, I said earlier, watching Matt Ryan get hit, is a little bit reminiscent of watching Jacoby Brissett in the 2019 season, and I'm just sitting there thinking, he's not going to get up from one of these. And is Matt Ryan, is his ability to... I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. His inability at times to hold on to the football when pressure is coming, is that going to be something that that rears its ugly head yeah, all year? Like, I watch am him... I, am I be, and you tell me, Kevin, am I being hypercritical here? No, I, I don't think you are at all. Um... I just see a little bit of, I don't know if it's jittery is the right, right word, but there's just a lack of pocket awareness that for a 14-year vet, I would think he would have. Correct. And again, when you traded for him, that was supposed to be the area where you don't need to worry. You don't need to worry about the chess match, the, 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 the smarts of it. There might be physical limitations, but you don't need to worry about that other stuff. Uh, let's go with Tim. Tim, welcome. Hey, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, long-time listener, but I did want to point out one thing. I don't hear anybody talking about how Frank Reich out-coached Andy Reid. Now, I'm not saying he's the greatest coach, but we got to give him a little credit. He did out-coach him yesterday. You know, I think uh, credit to Frank Reich for, again, his football team continuing to do what they've done really under his tenure, and that is backs against the wall. They do deliver. And I felt like the urgency and the motion you saw out of him last week, um, I think you felt some of that from their football team. I thought they tackled better, Jake. I thought the defense just played a little bit faster. Um, again, it's not perfect. I mean, frankly, Andy Reid and the Chiefs coached like they had no idea what was going on. I was going to say, was it Frank Reddick out coaching Andy Reid, or was Andy Reid out coaching himself yeah, and with that fake field goal attempt and a couple of – Bizarre decisions. And their special teams coordinator, Dave Tobe, he was like a name that people I remember man, around he was as a, a head coach name, yeah. Like all of it. I mean, they were so I mean, you could point to, you know, six or seven just direct mistakes by Kansas City. Um I didn't understand when Kansas City went for a fourth down at one point on the on one of those second half drives, but then didn't go for it when they had another fourth down. And the down and distance was pretty short. You know, here's what I'm curious about. It seemed like it was very lackadaisical from the Chiefs. The the Chiefs fans and I that were in the building. I'm curious, 
like when the Chiefs were leading, I'm curious how, how, for example, my buddy Michael, the Australian, they went yesterday to the Bucks packers game in Tampa, and he was talking about the Packers fans. Like, And, I mean, he's from Australia, so he's not used to NFL games, right? He's like, man, these Packer fans are, like, really loud and obnoxious da, 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 up in the stands. I'm curious Packers what Colts fans – how were the Chiefs fans in the stadium yesterday? Like, were they – because they were le- – there was a – Kevin, for the vast majority of that game, it felt like Kansas City was kind of in control of it, right? And so – I'm curious, like, were, were the Chiefs fans that were there overly raucous and rowdy and arrogant? Were they pretty cool? I mean, how were they? I thought compared to, like, I would say what I'm used to in Lucas Oil Stadium with visiting fans, I would say Pittsburgh sets the bar from a quantity and a loud standpoint. For sure. That first third down of the game yesterday, I mean, the Colts got into a quick third down. I expected to hear, like, defense, you know, like those type of right, chants. Right. I mean, you heard the end of the national anthem. I mean, home of the Chiefs, how loud was that? Right. And I, I felt like that was the loudest that they were. So there were a lot of Chiefs fans there, but I didn't feel like from a you know, noise standpoint, I don't really feel like I felt them. I, I honestly thought the Colts had a really nice atmosphere, and I don't say that very often. Um, but I thought compared to what it looked like just from the press box. Um, um, 70-30 roughly was the split. That's probably about right. Yeah, I was going to say 60-40, but yeah. Okay. But again, um, from a sheer noise standpoint, I didn't feel that. Hey, Jake, I thought that uh, this from Sandy. I thought the Chiefs fans were pretty cool. We got fist bumps from them as they were walking up the aisle to leave. That's cool. I mean, it probably helps when you've been to four straight AFC championships <laughs> and, you're, and you're not too worried. Get them next week. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Graham. Graham had some takeaways from the game that he wanted to get to. Good morning, Graham. Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Doing great. How about you? Better after that. Um, I my, my biggest takeaways were definitely the and like it, it just sticks in my head. But it's when uh, I believe it was Danny Penner just got absolutely railed and pancaked uh, uh, a couple times, um, to be honest. And uh, to credit that last caller too, like Frank's methodical play calling enough and taking enough time off the clock. That's what I was worried about. Like I I was genuinely concerned that we were going to score with, you know, a minute 20 left. And I was like, Oh, this game's over, but yeah, they did a really nice job there at the end. Yeah. Yeah. But those are just my thoughts. So thank you guys. The Chris Jones penalty aided it, but in total, Jake, 16 play drive for 76 yards that chewed up eight minutes and 14 seconds there to end it. Listen, um, that the final drive for the Colts that won the game was a tale of two, you know, of two drives basically, pre penalty and post penalty. Yeah, well, you and had was, one first down before the yeah, and then once that penalty took place, then it was like it's almost like the Colts knew they were getting a reprieve. Does that make sense? Like it felt you know like what, we got to take advantage of this now or never. I don't know if I ever felt like the Colts were going to win the game until that penalty. Then that penalty happened, and I'm like, that is so idiotic Correct. so dumb. That's the final straw. The Chiefs have flirted with disaster all game long. They've given the Colts so many chances, and that penalty is one of the dumbest I've ever seen in the history of the NFL. That's going to be the difference. But again, catches by Pearson Woods, and I've said it all show long, their first moments in the NFL, those are their first catches yesterday. What can that do for them? If that creates more confidence if that creates an ability even from opposing defenses to be like hey we should pay more attention to pierce 
hey, when Woods is on the field, Matt Ryan's not afraid to look at him. How about this news, Kevin? The NFL is replacing the Pro Bowl with week-long skills competitions and a flag football game. The new event will replace the full contact showcase started in 1951. Thoughts? Just My first thought is I'm just picturing the guy that tears his ACL in the flag football game. Uh, what was the running back's name from New England? Rob Edwards, was that his name? That's right. That sounds right. For New England? Georgia guy? Yes. Really promising young rookie for New England. And was then that he, on a beach? Yes. Playing sand, uh, sand flag football at a Pro Bowl event. I, fundraising event. I think we just need to accept that the game of football is extremely physical, and I totally understand guys that don't want to participate in the Pro Bowl in the manner that they want it to be. Right. It's just the level of injury is different than the NBA All-Star Game or the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. But, you know, it was the same in 1984, 1990, 1995. I I, I get that it's probably I mean, it was a huge deal when Marshall Falk ran for like 135 yards in the Pro Bowl and set a record, you know, as a rookie here. It was great. Trevin want to know our thoughts on Shaquille Leonard. Let's save that for tomorrow. Shaquille Leonard stuff, I'm sure you saw a lot of that on Friday, Jake. Um, there are some elements that I, I understand why people are like, this sounds a little Andrew Luck. Like, it's odd. It's weird. It's murky. We'll get more into it later in the week. Jeff Saturday going to join us uh, a little bit later, shooting for 930-ish, Mark. Yep, yep, as soon as his plane lands. Where's Is he going to be on the plane? No, hopefully no, that'll debor- be boarding by then. <laughs> can, he, can we get Jeff Saturday to talk to us while the plane's still Can you fired stand up by the jet the- engine, Jeff? <laughs> now, someone was tweeting at you, Mark, that Jim Nance was coming up to Ursay at the end of that video. Did you catch that? I didn't catch that, no. It does the, it can you get to the last – can you can you forward to the last, like, 10 seconds of the Ursay audio? Let's do that at the break. I'll see if I can find okay. it, and we'll see if Nance pops up. Kevin Aquari on a beautiful Monday morning here. Colts win 20-17. to 17. Jake's getting some clarity on what a sheep is and what a goat is. Now, hold on. So, we mentioned this earlier. So, uh, hold on. So, Julie, so now a, a, a ewe is a goat, which is a sheep? No, a ewe is a female sheep. Okay. So, you are a sheep, or a sheep is a ewe. That's a Y-O-U, not an E-W-E. Okay. So, a ewe oh is a gosh. female sheep. We need now, to go what to is the zoo What's today? a male sheep? A ram? I, know, I guess a ram. I don't know that. Okay. So, a ram and a ewe get together, and then you end up with uh, a lamb. Yeah. And then, and then the goat just watches the all this. The goats are just watching okay. them, yeah. All right, fair enough. But fair the right. ram's got the actual little, like, horns, right? Well, so does a ram. That The ram and the goat <laughs> both have horns, right? But the sheep doesn't. Sorry. Correct. The sheep, no, no, wait a minute. A sheep, they're both sheep, right? Rams and ewes are both sheep. Yes. Okay, but goats, goats, Kevin, goats are just hanging out. They're tr- goats are using the idea to get into the sheep party because they look like sheep. They're just not sheep, right? Isn't that how this works? I think that's right. Is that right? Colts got their first one of the season yesterday, <laughs> twenty to seventeen, <laughs> over the Chiefs. I'm, just, I'm very confused by this. In all. the biggest underdog in the Frank Reich era, and they get their first win in the month of September <laughs> since 2020. Again, is that a one one day segment? Or are we not doing that? Anymore? Did we end up with the Jim Irsay audio? We need to bow tie that also with Jim Nance walking up at the end. I mean, it's just a real. I mean, hey, Jim, Jim Nance. That's all. That's all so that's Jim all. Nance, when he introduces himself to Jim Irsay, has to identify who he is. I guess so. I think that's the polite thing to do. Nance and Romo, first time doing a Colts game at home, right? First time doing a Colts game at Lucas Oil? Mm-hmm. Is it really? 
They did a uh, oh, you mean Colt- as a pair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Colt Steelers game a few years ago in Pittsburgh. Uh, let's go with Marcellus. Marcellus, you want to talk about the O line? Yes, sir. How you doing? Doing oh, good, man. Good. How are you? Great show, you guys. Got me cracking up over here with these goats. <laughs> there, yeah, hell yeah, Marcellus. Did you just do a goat noise, Marcellus? Was that a laugh or was that a goat noise? <laughs> hey man, look, I was looking at the uh, uh, looking at the game yesterday, man. I like to say the saving grace is that is that is that penalty at the end. Look, oh, we'd be talking a different story. I'm glad we won. I I am, but. I always look at how we did it, and we stumbled and fumbled through that thing, man. The defense played well enough to keep, keep us in the game, but that offense, man, the offensive line is atrocious. I mean, it was like one particular play, and they showed the A-gap, man, where it was like the elevator door opens up and somebody's staring right at you. Matt Ryan was standing in front of an elevator door. The 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 the, 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 the defensive tag just, just straight through the do a Grand Canyon gap right at right at Ryan. All I mean, this is, it was all day, and and JT's not getting enough uh, room to run. And where's the where's all this Naeem Hines wrinkles that we talked about all summer? Boy, that's you a know, good question there. You know, where is all of that? You know, I don't think Co- I don't think Frank coached a great game yesterday. I'm sorry, no, I think Andy Reid. In the ten days off, they're just like anybody any other team. They were rusty. They were off. Uh, Mahomes was arguing with the enemy uh, coming off the field. They were arguing at each other. I mean, I think they were out of sorts. Uh, and and to be honest with you, I'm glad we won. But man, if if we if we're so if we're it feels to you, Marcellus, almost more like the Chiefs lost the game than the Colts won it. Is that fair? Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I mean, if if the, if not for that bonehead uh, penalty by by my man on the on the chief side, man, it's over. Right, we're we, we we're staring at can, the bottom of the barrel. Can we get one more goat noise from you, Marcellus, on the way out? Man. <laughs> 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 on command at eight fifty four on this Monday morning, Marcellus. That was he beautiful. is the top caller in show history. Always has been. beautiful. We'll see if the zoo needs to have Marcellus come over there for any goat shows this week. Um. Jake, I think every Monday we get into this song and dance of performance versus result. Did the Chiefs puke on themselves yesterday? Without question. But again, I would like to sit here and credit the Colts defense for making sure that if the Chiefs were going to continue to puke on themselves, that the Colts had an opportunity to win the game. All it took was one more touchdown from Kansas City. That first and goal from the three to start the third quarter. You know, one more time where they decided to settle for a field goal. If they punch that in, they win. So, again, it's performance versus result. It Was the performance incredibly impressive by the Colts? No. Did what I see yesterday mean that all of a sudden I think the Colts are going to win 11 games? No. But as Mark, we had him rattle off the AFC South odds right now, the result. You desperately needed a win and now you have made up for one of the first two weeks. You still need to find that somewhere else, but based off the result and based off trying to win this division and trying to get in the playoffs, all of that, you needed to get a win. Again, performance, plenty to question there. The offensive line, the free rushers, as Marcel said, Matt Ryan getting off an elevator, just staring at people all game long, and some of that is on Matt Ryan. That stuff's got to get cleaned up. I'm going to make two predictions here. 
the first prediction is that at some point today, somebody's going to come up to me in public and just go, like like Marcellus did. Who Marcellus did a very good goat, by the way. Thank you. Uh, second prediction was is that, that him? coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, that, now, that's a good question. I don't know if that was a goat or Marcellus because he was very good. You never know. My second prediction is that in the 9 o'clock hour, we're going to get into something, Kevin, that you mentioned earlier that people don't want to hear because it does bring back – now, they want to hear what you're going to say, I'm saying – it brings back a little bit of memories of Andrew Luck. You made reference to it. I want to get deeper into that coming up in the 9 o'clock hour. And Jeff Saturday will join us as well um, when he lands from his flight that he's on right now. It's Kevin and Query on a Monday, Colts Victory Monday, 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Matt Ryan to throw. Enzo fires, and it's Jawani Woods for a touchdown. Townsend, the punter, to be the holder. Snap. It's a fake. Townsend he is going to throw it over the head of his intended receiver. It is second and 10 to the 12-yard line. Colts down by four. Ryan backs the pass. Looking, looking. Fires upfield into the end zone. It is caught. Jelani Woods. Touchdown. I-N-D-Y. Two touchdowns today for the rookie. Waiting on the snap. Takes it. Looking left. He's going to fire upfield. It's broken up. Tip it. There's no doubt our backs were against the wall. And we responded, and I think that's a testament to our players. I want you to put the word out there that we back up. Understand me? We back up. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. I'm rocking my pants. So yesterday, the Colts getting the win over the Kansas City Chiefs. As you heard Matt Taylor on the call there with Rick Venturi for the Colts Radio Network. Frank Reich discussing as well. One of the most active Members of the Jumbotron, the video boards, whatever you want to call it, in 2022 was Shaquille Leonard, who was uh, basically a cheerleader on the sidelines. And we'll get more into this over the course of the week. But, uh, Kevin, you simply insinuated he he had some interesting things to say on Friday, right? Yeah, and I guess Frank Reich did as well. You know, I asked – and by the way, I got – someone just messaged me that Jake's camera is – Malfunctioning. One of the many issues I've got to fix today. With this me. kind of sexiness needs to be on camera. Oh, God. I mean, it's unbelievable. Nine oh two to start the week, and the ego's already bigger than <laughs> Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, you asked Frank Reich on Friday, Jake. This is four straight practices for Shaquille Leonard. He has had six straight full days of practice. Again, four weeks, six straight days of full practice. What more? What more do you guys need to see for him to play? And I'm paraphrasing, and we can get into the Reich audio a little bit later in the week, but basically they feel like in watching film of Shaquille Leonard at practice versus him in years past, they don't feel like, and I don't know if they is the right pronoun to use. It might be Leonard, to be honest with you. I don't know if Leonard feels like he's totally confident in himself playing winning football. Permanently or temporarily? Well, I think right now it would be here in the present. Right. Um, And I think there's a lot of reasons behind that thought process for Leonard, and we'll get into that a little bit later in the week. But I'll go back to something that Chris Ballard said after roster cuts when it was announced that Shaquille Leonard was coming off the pup list. I guess two things. One, Jake, remember, throughout camp, they did not rule out 
him being on the pup list. That would have meant he missed four games. Well, this coming Sunday will be the fourth game of the season. So people have asked me, why did they take him off the pup list? They want him to practice. You can't practice on the pup list. So that's part of the reason. And really, they're not in a dire roster situation. I'm totally fine with Linder being off the pup list. You know, they had two guys inactive uh, during the game, him being one of them, due to injury, Bernard Ryman being the other. It's not like they're in a dire injury situation. The other is, and Ballard kind of cautioned us about this. He basically said when Shaq went out there for his first day of practice, this is like the first day of spring for him. When you equate that, that means a lot of ramp-up time. Having said all that, it's still odd, it's still weird, it's still murky. The injury is, is, is weird and all of it, and the fact that you're four weeks into practice. He's practiced 11 days. That's a long time in the NFL. Right. And yet he still doesn't want to be out there? I don't know. Just odd. 239-1070. Dave, what's going on, Dave? You know, the only game uglier than the Colts game yesterday was Denver beating San Francisco. That was but brutal. I say, <laughs> that was brutal, I, man. You, you stay yeah. up for that, Dave. You, you deserve yeah. a Yesterday's something. wind will change things in my household for at least a week <laughs> because the wife broke out the Cato June jersey on Friday. I saw that. And a Colts visor on Sunday. So those are going to be worn again next weekend. So, because you know, you just don't mess with the streak. That's fair. Now, the Cato June jersey, did you even know that the wife had the Cato June jersey? Or has it been so long that you were like, I've totally forgot about that? No, you know, I've only bought two Colts jerseys in my lifetime. And she wanted Cato June when he was here, and I bought Booger McFarland's. And then the next year, they both got traded or, 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 <laughs> right. or signed contracts someplace else. So there you go. You know, well, one name, Dave, that we have, and thank you for the call. Well, one name we haven't mentioned, uh, Jake, today in the Cato June camp. And again, Cato June, an assistant linebackers coach for the Colts right now. Um, pretty good recognition by Bobby Okereke on the fake field goal. Yeah, Bobby Okereke, listen. When, with Shaquille Leonard, to, back to that point, Kevin, with him out, you know, Okereke. Would you say that Bobby Okereke has exceeded, not yet matched, or just been about on par with what you would have anticipated or hoped for? Um, Probably kind of on par. Selfishly, I'd, I'd like a little bit more. You know, what have you missed with Leonard? Turnovers. Turnovers. EJ Speed had the strip to start the season. By the way, how big would that EJ Speed have penalty been at the end of the game if the Chiefs would have kicked that field goal? Speed, you know, Speed got the unsportsmanlike on the uh, kickoff return. The, um, you know, Speed is one of my favorite players, right? Speed, and then I, I'm really becoming a Grover Stewart guy. Grover Stewart's the best has been the best player on the football team this season. That's that's correct, yeah. And his name's Grover. Oh, and the draw, the hard knocks, the man it's was me. washing. He was washing chicken in his sink. Grover. What, what was it's that? Grover. Grover from Sesame Street. Can you do that again, please? It is me. Super Grover. Is this, have you been working on this? No, I just do it. I think that's one of those. When I'm alone by myself, which is very rare, I just do voices. Stand in the mirror, just do voices. (laughs) You, okay. Anthony goes, would every team in the league have beaten the Chiefs this week? Gritty win, but I won't, don't want it to overshadow how bad the O-line play was. How many times can we just not pick up an A-gap blitzer? I mean, there is no doubt, and, and it seems to be a more common sentiment 
that that game did feel like perhaps it was as much about Kansas City like what Marcella said. It almost felt like Kansas City lost the game, not necessarily that the Colts won it. And again, I think that's stuff we can focus on, Jake, particularly moving forward. But in the immediate aftermath of that game, take it. you take the win Absolutely. and you run. And you also acknowledge that the defense gave you an opportunity to win that football game. And sometimes, what's what's the Bob Knight quote? The winner is the person that makes the fewest amount of mistakes, or what, what? What's the old phrase? You know, I'm sure every coach has said something along those lines. But that's what you saw yesterday. Kansas City missed made 72 mistakes, and obviously, every team you play is not going to do that, and they're not going to sniff that. But as bad as Kansas City's kicker was yesterday, the Colts had an awful kicking situation in Week One, and that was a big reason why they tied and didn't win that game. And I didn't hear anybody, you know, well, you know, excuse for that, excuse for that. Like, you take the result. I think you also acknowledge that there are plenty of areas that this team, particularly on the offensive line, still needs to work on. Uh, hey, Jake, the only people complaining about Leonard are healthy people. Most of them couldn't even sneeze without falling apart with a back injury. The most brutal sport on a body, and you guys want him to just get out there when he's not mentally ready. It's not that he doesn't want to. He's just not ready. Please be patient. Okay. Can you read that Read that last part again? You, you guys want him? What, what, what was that phrase? The most brutal sport on a body, and you guys want him to get out there when he's not mentally ready. It's not that he doesn't want to. He's just not ready. Be patient. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe my wording was a little bit poor earlier. Um, I can totally acknowledge where Leonard's coming from on this, and clearly he's not mentally ready. Um, and he's had a lot, a lot of stuff off the field that I think is contributing to it. And I don't, I don't want this to sound like I'm being overly critical of Leonard, but this is where some of it sounds a little bit Andrew Luck-like. And I know everyone's going to take that as such a negative, but I'm just acknowledging the situation. Leonard has said a lot of these things. He definitely said it back in the spring. We can go back and play some of those clips uh, when we get more into it later in the week. But it's just a weird injury. The, the injury itself is complicated. Back surgery to correct ankle pain which wasn't really diagnosed until June. That's weird. That's odd. And when a guy, I mean, I would say in the history of me covering the NFL, I can't recall a guy practicing 11 straight days and not playing in a game. It's just different. Uh, Peter wanted to talk about Nick Cross. Peter, good morning to you. Morning, guys. Long time, first time. Yeah, what, what happened with Nick Cross's snaps this week? Um, I'm glad Rodney was out there for that pick, but um, any idea what's going on there? One snap for Nick Cross. Um, this is me guessing a little bit here, Peter. I assume that they dialed Nick Cross playing time back last week. Uh, he started, played all the snaps week one. They clearly didn't love what they saw. They dialed it back a little bit in week two. He still played over half. I think they viewed that, Jake, as we're playing Patrick Mahomes. We want a 13-year vet and a Rodney McLeod out there. I think that's why they made that switch. I found it more interesting, though, when Julian Blackman got hurt, they skipped over Cross. They went to the seventh-round rookie. Right. Rodney Thomas out of Yale then played over Cross. That, to me, is the more interesting part. Now, Thomas might have the skill set to be more of a free safety. I thought they would have moved McLeod to free safety there and put Cross in at strong safety. Sometimes athletes, Kevin, when guys are – unbelievably athletic and have natural athletic ability 
Nick Cross, if you look at when he was at Maryland, and we talked to his coach from Maryland, that said, you know, this is a guy that all of a sudden football was not something he grew up around, but his athleticism led him to football and led him to then become a really good player and, you know, a guy that you couldn't keep off the field because he was such a freak athlete. This is not a knock on Nick Cross at all. If anything, it's probably an indirect compliment, but a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes that can extend plays for so long and a lot of times when you think a play is dead from a passing opportunity with Mahomes, he extends it longer than other quarterbacks, right? Like you, when to retreat, when to fall back, defensively speaking, do you think it could simply be something as basic as Nick Cross is a player who has relied so much on his athleticism that learning the actual mechanics and fundamentals of the position are such that he would have been more prone to falling victim to Mahomes' ability to wing on the fly as opposed to somebody who's a little more rooted in the way that they play and cover. Yeah, and I think there were some moments in camp where Nick Cross just flat out got beat. And you were kind of like, oh boy, that's clearly a mental breakdown. Right. And when that happens, that is, you know, six points. I thought they would put Cross, though, in at strong safety, and then you would have McLeod move back to free safety. I thought when Rodney Thomas came on the field, my first thought was, you know, if you're Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, Patrick Mahomes, or someone in the booth, and you see a seventh round rookie going out there for his first defensive snap, you're going to test him. And I thought there'd be moments throughout the rest of the game where Mahomes heaves one and everybody goes dead silent inside of Lucas Oil Stadium and you're just hoping that ball falls incomplete. And credit to Rodney Thomas because I never felt like Mahomes really did that. I mean, sure, he took some chances, but I never felt like anyone was that open. The one was the holding penalty, which Thomas made a great play on to knock away. Um. Who was the other? There was somebody else that I was going to ask you about that we haven't even talked about today. Oh, several people have asked this question. It's a good one, too. What's going on with Kenny Moore? Yeah, if Mahomes hits that first one, who knows what happens in the game. That third down, Kenny Moore got beat. Was it Juju Smith-Schuster that got behind him? Yeah, Kenny I, has not played to the level um, that you expect from him. And it started with a Hunter Renfro Raiders game. And he does play a position where you, you know, you are on an island. It's a lot of man coverage. You're, you're the nickel slot. But that's one that I think we can sit here and acknowledge. The defense hung in there really well. Mahomes and Kelsey. Mahomes missed a couple, and Kelsey had the drop. You need some of that. You do. Uh, should we do our fan tweet of the game? Fan tweets? Yeah, we can do that. So this could be a new segment that uh, we'll do every Monday after the game. Mark, you tweeted out last night, what, five words or less? Yeah, some people don't game. know how to read, apparently, because I got people sending diatribes. They're like, it's five words or less. And they're sending, like, paragraphs. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, I've, I've highlighted some that I thought were pretty interesting. Obviously, they, they you know, vary quite a bit. Thanks for the gift, Chris Jones. Pass protection, missing in action. Offensive line is still offensive. Jelani got that dog in him. Cautiously optimistic despite O-line issues. Ooh, Jaguars might be good. Chiefs gifted no, wait a minute. early Cautiously Christmas. optimistic despite O-line issues. That's six. I think they counted O-line as one word. Okay. They did the hyphen. You could say line issues and yeah. still be safe. Yeah. It's like counting the haiku syllables. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the most liked one, I believe, was from Alex Golden. 
Yeah, he wrote uh, still, still un- underwhelming. Still underwhelmed by overall play. That's that's pretty fair. That's pretty that is fair. fair. Yeah. Uh, a couple I like. John, confused, apprehensive, needed win. That's fair. I like that. Yeah. Uh, and this one from Alec, and I feel like this was Maddie's reaction when I got home last night uh, in regards to the game. It just, does, oh, go ahead. It doesn't feel real. <laughs> now, is that from Alec or Alex? <laughs> well, I, I believe it was Alec, but I probably should double check after yeah, what Jim Mercy's got me thinking. I, I, I've, I sense that that's, I sense that's kind of how a lot of Colts fans think about it. This one from Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Uh, hey, Jake, Kenny Moore's getting exposed. That's what's going on. Okay. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he has not played well. Any standout to you, Jake? Favorite fan tweet of the game? Um, I thought, okay. Again, kind of relieved the O-line still sucks. And again, O-L counts as one word there. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be a stickler here on, on making sure that everybody keeps within the word count, well, right? <laughs> let's just say people... Kind of followed your a- academia career early on with Excuse that me? thought process. Cool. Excuse Jeez. me. Jeez. <laughs> a shot. Just everyone needs to take a step back. We are not good. That from Max. Five words, Max. This isn't bad for Matthew. Thank God we escaped alive. <laughs> Blind squirrels find nuts occasionally. That's good. Colts win despite Frank Franking. Uh, I like this from Zach. They freaking did it. I think O-line might be. <laughs> I mean, the O-line got torched, right, Mark? That was probably my biggest takeaway from it. Yeah. Again, I was like, well, Nick Foles is going get to the, get, the, get the call soon, Brett's, I think. Brett says, hot garbage, but lucky today. <laughs> Nobody ever talks about cold garbage. Wouldn't that be worse? No, because hot garbage, you get that. It smells. The, yeah, the, you get that real smell. I've been watching the uh, – last night we started the Jeffrey Dahmer um, – mm-hmm. Series? Yeah, I Are watched you watch- the first episode of that, You did yeah. watch it? The first episode, yeah. Uh, apparently the neighbor's complaining about the smell of hot garbage, yeah. right? I got bad pork chops. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> That's actually what he says to every. Yeah. He had like every line covered, man. Mm-hmm. Got bad meat. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, this one from Kirk. Seems like the great place with Kenny Moore. Oftentimes we're blitzing, attacking. He isn't doing that. I, I do think there was a play that Kenny made that probably won't show up in the box score. But like the Chiefs threw one of those like little quick hitter passes, kind of a screen, and the, you know the expectation is an easy five or six yards, and just Kenny Moore doing a great job of like not letting the blocker seal him off. Let I forget if it was Rodney McLeod or Zaire Franklin or somebody up clean up that tackle. That's the type of stuff that I think Kenny does do that just goes a little bit unnoticed in man coverage right now. It's been a struggle for him on that. I'm going to go with John as my fan tweet of the game. Confused, apprehensive, needed win. That's pretty good. I mean, that that's that kind of sums it all up, right? I think that sums it up really well. <laughs> Cautiously nearing vague optimism. That's not bad. Yeah, that is good. That is good. <laughs> Jeff Saturday hopefully joining us here. He said he lands at 930, so he'll be good to go. Good so, to go in about yep. 10 minutes mm-hmm. on that front there. Still no Gregory Woods. No Gregory Woods. I, I, maybe the goat sounds scared him off. I don't know. Could be. Uh, you think so? <laughs> Marcellus liked it. 
What, what was the bigger play? Was it the Sky Moore muff or the Chris Jones penalty? Chris Jones penalty. Let's play oh, the game. Yeah. Chris Jones for sure. Does the Sky Moore like are you a believer in game flow and momentum and yes. stuff like that? Yes. So do you think if Sky Moore fields that punt, the Colts lose by three scores, two scores? I mean, the I mean, Colts went three and out were, on the opening Kevin, drive, and Matt Ryan got smoked on third down. There were numerous times in that game where it did feel like things were about to completely shift. And weren't you just kind of waiting for Kansas City to get it going? It was like watching, and I, I know I keep making the analogy to the Golden State Warriors, but it was like watching the Warriors, and you're just waiting for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry to all of a sudden hit like five straight threes, and the game's blown open. I think I wrote down at half, I said to myself, when will the defense wilt? And then I made sure to also write, like, do not rip them when that happens. Like, they gave such a great effort. Right. You know, and if they would have allowed, they allowed three points in the second half. If they would have allowed 10 or 13, I would have liked to have thought that I would come here on, on, on Monday morning sit to my and say, like, okay, you know, the defense really for 30 minutes played pretty darn good football. And if you don't get complimentary football within those 30 minutes, eventually the Chiefs and Mahomes are going to show up. And it's why some of those stats I read earlier, the Chiefs are 45-0 and with Mahomes when the opponent scores 26 points or fewer. Uh, Peyton Manning, by the way, has been selected apparently to help coordinate the new Pro Bowl. Skills competition and things like that over the course of a week as opposed to an actual game for the Pro Bowl. and. Peyton Manning will help put it together. You said it's Omaha Productions, yep. right? Omaha Productions is is a part of it. There you go. A I, week long. Can someone define that you know, for me? Like, I, uh, how about two nights? Where will it take place? Well, they said Vegas. Because it does. See, I'm I disappointed. Orlando players liked because it was more of a family thing. I you? could see that, and I'm disappointed. I certainly understand why, but I am disappointed for the city of Honolulu because. Having been to a Pro Bowl there and getting to know uh, my buddy Rob that works at the ABC affiliate there, but in talking to him, you know, he's a native Hawaiian. That was a big deal for the state of Hawaii and the city of Honolulu every year. I mean, that was their – imagine, right? I mean, you live in Honolulu. That's their one time to kind of showcase themselves and have people coming out to their stadium and, you know, a big-time televised event right there on their island, and they take such pride in – Hawaii and the islands themselves. So in that regard, I'm disappointed for them. Will we ever find out what Chris Jones said? Yeah, you would think one of the Colts players would say would tell you, right? It's eventually, right? And do you think he was warned? Like, is that a penalty where you just give him a verbal warning if you're the official? Or is that one of, if you say the magic word, here comes the flag? Because I've never seen that penalty without a physical altercation. Like, you know, when a defensive lineman gets up after a you know sack. What, you know what he, I would guess? He, he pushes the quarterback down. Here would be like my that. guess. If I'm not mistaken, Kevin, what does it say? What does the end zone say at Lucas Oil Stadium right now? What's the NFL message on the end zone field? Did you notice? Uh, is it end racism? Correct. If I'm not mistaken, the NFL a few years ago took a very hard line. Didn't they publicly come out and say that there is one word that they will not in any way, shape, or form tolerate? I don't know if that was 
I, I don't know. Was that publicly said? I, bel- I, I thought, and maybe I'm hallucinating. Somebody help me out here. But I, I thought that like two or three years ago, the NFL came out to say that they were going to take a hard line. If it was NFL or NBA, but I, I, I want to say NFL, that they were no longer going to tolerate, accept, or allow for the N-word to be used in a in a jargon or, you know, jawing fashion at all, that it would not be tolerated on a field in any way, shape, or form. Hmm. I, I don't remember that. I'm not but. saying that's what he used, but that is one word that I know that they took a very hard line stand against. And that that would make sense if that word came out that they would flag for that. Again, the report after the game from the official, one of the Chiefs uh, beat writers went down and spoke with the, the head official, Sean Smith, after the game, and the phrase that he used was abusive language. I mean... Would not elaborate any more on that abusive language. Uh, I think a couple things to note is you didn't see Chris Jones super demonstrative in complaining about the penalty afterwards. So, yeah. But again, I I thought today we would debate who okay, would go. Okay, this from 2016. The NFL would like to see the use of the N-word eliminated on the football field. But some players say the word is still part of the game. The NFL announced in 2016 that it will increase to a 15-yard penalty of inappropriate behavior for use of the word. Boom. Are you surprised we don't see that penalty more? Uh, I, I mean, yes. I like I, I don't. I, I mean, I don't know, Mark. You, you're watching other games than the Colts. You're watching the Bears. I don't. I have not seen a verbal unsportsmanlike penalty. Boy, I don't know. Maybe it's just the magnitude of how big that penalty was with five minutes to go in the game. But I just. It seems like every unsportsmanlike penalty involves a push. A like face to face, our helmets are touching each other, back and forth. I'm standing over you. Yeah, it's like taunting or something. Yeah, like taunting. That. Yeah. I didn't really feel like he did that physically. Right. But huge. It must have been a doozy, that's for sure. Absolutely huge in that one. Okay, Jeff Saturday gonna join us here in about five minutes. Time for a morning check down. The morning checkdown. Brought to you by Ball State Football. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com. Omaha! On 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Uh, we'll begin with college football, actually, from over the course of the weekend. We talked a lot of NFL today. How about Indiana? Of course, as we talked about struggling against Cincinnati. 45-24, Bearcats winning cover. Notre Dame, kudos to the Fighting Irish, Kevin. 45-32 over North Carolina. They were never in doubt in that game. Georgia Southern over Ball State, 34-23. It was Purdue over Florida Atlantic, 28-26. Elsewhere around the state over the course of the weekend, UND, 44-38 winners over Ohio Dominican. Valpo over San Diego, 28-21. DePaul, a 59-0 winner over uh, 59-0 winner over Wooster. Uh, Denison, and Tri- Denison over Wabash, trying over center. Could made a lot of money yesterday betting on the AFC South. That would be betting on the AFC South, not against the AFC South, I guess, unless you wanted to go with the Bears over the Texans. How about the AFC South, though? The Titans beat the Raiders. The Jags absolutely walloped the Chargers and obviously the Colts over the Chiefs. That is a 3-0 and day for the AFC South. So as we sit here through week two, it's the 2-1 and Jags atop the division. The 1-1-1 Colts just looks weird. 
in number two in second place, and then in third place you have the one and two Titans, followed by the O two and one Texans. Uh, Major League Baseball yesterday, Cubs over the Pirates 8-3. It was the Reds over the Brewers 2-1. Dodgers over the Cardinals 4-1. Braves over the Phillies 8-7. The New York Yankees, I'm looking to see if they played yesterday. Uh, did they yeah, not? Yeah, uh, the game got stopped after like seven innings due to rain. What about the the drone, the drone game in Seattle getting stopped for a drone? You hear about that? No. Uh, the, the Seahawks game, they stopped temporarily because someone was flying uh, a non-authorized drone over the stadium. Wow! So they had to remove it for and safety, they just and I guess the game. The same thing happened with the University of Washington over the course of the weekend. Yeah, the NF the ref blew the whistle. and He said, "Timeout, please clear the field." NFL security, and then even announcers like, "Whoa!" Uh, speaking of Washington, how about Michael Penix right now? Playing well, right? It's really cool to see. Yeah, I mean he's having a hell of a year. Couple big Huge games numbers. coming up this weekend for Indiana and Purdue, respectively, on the road. Uh, Jeff Saturday. We'll catch up with Jeff Saturday in just a couple of minutes here as he is traveling. He's a traveling man, actually. That should be the theme song that we use for him, right? Not a good day for his alma mater defensively on Saturday. You want to start with that? Uh, I will not. No, I will not. Granted, he is probably a good person to talk to about the offensive line right now. Uh, This is a good point from Joe Hall. Let's give credit when due. Ngakwe. Got to Mahomes early and might have been in his head after that. Um, Mahomes seemed to be looking for a receiver with one eye and keeping an eye on Ngakwe with the other. I just thought, in general, the defensive line rushed. They they found that balance of, like, rushing to disrupt, but also they were pretty disciplined. Mahomes wants to escape and, you know, get into kind of those open sight lines and just – you know, try and tap into that big play. And the old Russian cover, that balance, that mix, it's been such an issue for the Colts franchise for years. Outstanding. That sounds like a drink, the Russian cover. Have you ever gone to a bar, Mark, and asked for the Russian cover? No. You oh, yeah, do uh, not I, have that drink, please. I'd be a little nervous what's in it, to be honest. <laughs> what, what was that, Mark? We don't have that drink, please. We only take rubles. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That was very impressive. Well, what, are, what would a Russian Grover sound like? Jeez. <laughs> You desire Super Grover. Man, Grover's draw. Oh, boy, he's. Uh, you talk about a big guy for Sunday. Derrick Henry and company. Derrick Henry's gotten off to a slow start, though. What did he do yesterday? A little better yesterday. Yeah, I think like 70 and a touchdown, 80 and a touchdown, something like that. Um, God, the Titans needed that one. Boy, they did, didn't they? Hell, the Raiders needed it, for my sake. I mean, what's what's going on with the Raiders, man? They had, I mean, this is going to sound like an excuse. I mean, they've been all close games. Well, two point conversion yesterday was a difference. They lost to Arizona and over. Remember the Arizona game? Hunter Renfro fumbles right. and he gets taken back for a touchdown. Uh, Which and, is like the last player ever that would do that. Right. And then week one, I forget who they lost to, but I think it was a, was it Chargers in week one? Raiders lost to? I think that was a close one. I'm telling you, the other thing that we have, we talked about it early in the program. We touched on this, Kevin, but. And I don't know, you know, in college football, they have separation Saturday. Usually it's like probably what, week six or something, where all of a sudden big time matchups happen and, and teams start to separate one way or the other. Um, 
in the NFL, I don't know when that takes place, but through three weeks, it's it's a little early to start figuring out exactly who people are. But is Jacksonville starting to stride a little bit? Is Jacksonville showing that, you know, they're out of kindergarten now and they're ready to, to ride the big school bus with kids and, you know, they're they're out of their infancy and it's starting to come together for them a little bit? Or was yesterday an anomaly? I think I would feel more confident in believing that Jacksonville will be there come Christmas time than Tennessee will be. It feels to me like Jacksonville and Tennessee, if you look at the division, I think we know now that Houston's in you know rebuild mode. Would you agree with this? Jacksonville and Tennessee are two franchises whose trajectories right now look totally different. Sure. Without question. Without question. And again, when we're talking about the AFC South this year, you know, last week I guess I was like first one to eight. Maybe after yesterday's results, it's like it's still like first one to nine wins. And I think Jacksonville can be there. You know, to your point earlier, Jake, they don't look like a 12-win team in my mind. I mean, they still struggled big time with Washington week one. I think they benefited yesterday. It was very impressive what they did yesterday. They benefited, I think, from a hobble Justin Herbert. Sure, but that doesn't – but. Justin Herbert doesn't affect them scoring 38 points. Sure, sure. Um, I do think you look towards Sunday. The fact that the Colts have already missed two chances for AFC South wins just adds to the importance of Sunday. I said it to John when I went on with JMV yesterday morning. I said to him, as much as this game is massive because, again, you're in the here now and you're in the present, it's next Sunday it's more important. I mean, Tennessee, it's a divisional game. Right. You haven't played them yet. You've already squandered two divisional opportunities. That's the bigger one. Uh, joining us now on the Payless Sugars guest line as he does each and every Monday, he is the wild traveling man, Jeff Saturday. And Jeff, uh, listen, it's a Colts victory Monday, which always puts a little spring in this step for people here in Indianapolis. And I mean no disrespect to the Colts, but I want to ask you this as a guy that knows your way around the NFL. Was that game yesterday as much about the Colts winning it or Kansas City losing it? Oh, you can't rain on my parade this morning, bro. I ain't looking at, I ain't looking, I'm not looking at any win in a negative way. We'll take them however we can get them. Uh, did the Chiefs, uh, did they hurt themselves for sure? But we took full advantage of it. And uh, I think that's what you have to do in the NFL, man. It's hard to win. And, and again, it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, it wasn't like you looked at it and go, man, the Colts just played super clean. The Chiefs did as well. And we just outperformed uh, a team at their best. But, Look, man, you have off days, and, and the Chiefs did, and uh, the Colts, when they when they had to make plays, made them. And I think those are the things you build on. You know, you can't, um, you know, you can't look a gift horse in the mouth, bro. When it when it when it presents itself, take advantage of it, and that's what they did. Jeff, I think a unit that deserves the entire unit deserves a game ball would be the defense. I I just felt like they hung in there, hung in there. You know, bend but don't break has such a negative connotation, I feel like, to fans. But they did that. They forced field goals. And I thought that was the difference, keeping it at a one-score game. Because your offense had struggles, certainly. Um, But I I felt like for how poorly the defense played the week prior, Gus Bradley had some issues last year against Mahomes. I thought rush and cover, you know, the run defense, everybody, great work by that unit. I fully agree. Look, I, I think when you look at their uh, – the, the second half in particular, I, I thought they played lights out, man. I mean, look, you, you uh, they, they harassed Mahomes uh, frequently. He was never comfortable. Um, I, I know, Kel, you know Kelsey drops one in the end zone. But, but other than that, 
um, just kind of glaring error. I mean, they, they made them, like you said, earn it. And then uh, Kansas City obviously helped them with some of the uh, some of the plays they made. But man, that defense, um, for, for, for as rough as they had a go of it last week, to your point, against a, an, an incredible uh, quarterback and really offensive system, uh, I thought they did. I thought they met the challenge, and you're 100% right. Give them the game ball because they kept you in it. And, and when, when you felt like our offense wasn't going to get it done, uh, they kept you right in there, man. So, so good fight by those guys, and I know they got to be proud of that effort. Jeff, we talked about this earlier. Jeff Saturday's our guest. The emergence yesterday, one game does not a season make. I say that a lot. But the emergence of Jelani Woods yesterday, is that relegating further down now? I, you know, I think the Colts had been waiting for Mo Cox to show that he can be a reliable uh, in particular, red zone receiver for Matt Ryan last year for Carson Wentz. Did they now all of a sudden find that extra $10 bill in their pocket doing the wash, and that now pushes Moali Cox a little further back on that timeline? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, listen, when, whenever you, you know, whenever you feel like in the red zone that you, you have an advantage by, by physical size or just, you know, sheer speed, whatever, whatever it is athletically or genetically that you have that you want to take advantage of it. And I feel like that's what they found yesterday. And, 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 and here's the deal, like usually in the red zone, and I say this usually because some teams, you know, go up, but, but the, but the rule, not the exception is it's players, not plays down in the red zone, right? Is is that you start going, okay, who are the players that I'm going to feature and how can I get them the ball? So when you find guys like that, that that's, um, you know, between the 20s, maybe he's not the guy you're going to consistently depend on. But, man, when you get down that red zone, you start circling going, hey, matchup's going to be tough for these guys. I think that's what they found. Ryan found it early uh, and then obviously the last play. But but uh, big-time performance for him. And I, I think it was Frank or somebody in the locker room at the end was like, welcome to the NFL or something. So I know, I know everybody was uh, – was fired up for him. But I, I do, I think it's players, not plays down there. And he, he performed uh, uh, at a high level yesterday down there. Jeff Saturday is with us. No one better to ask about the offensive line than Jeff. A lot of free rushers yesterday. Matt Ryan has been sacked 12 times in the first three weeks of the season. Um, it just seems to be like a little bit of miscommunication, obviously individual breakdowns as well. But I wanted to get your thoughts in your history, Jeff, who handles stuff at the line of scrimmage when it comes from a pass protection standpoint? Is it a collaboration center quarterback? Is it the quarterback has the final say? Is it the center has the final say? How does that typically work on game days? Well, when, when uh, you know, when I was there, it was, you know, I would always set it. And then if there needed to be a change, uh, you know, 18 would make the change. So if he saw something or felt something was going to be different, uh, but we, we would do all that stuff through the week, honestly. I mean, we spent hours and hours, uh, you know, blitz breakdowns, blitz tapes, uh, him going back and asking me, okay, on that play, what would you have called? Just so he had an idea of, of you know, where my mind was. And then he would say, okay, I, I like that, but, you know, be aware just in case of this, uh, you know, I may, I may slide you one linebacker weak or one linebacker strong kind of whatever that looks like. And so we had a, a ton of communication. It's hard with a new quarterback. but but And also, we haven't played good. I mean, we haven't played good up front. I mean, you know, we've we played okay. We played okay uh, week one. I thought we played pretty good uh, last week, obviously not. And again, and, and it's not just one guy. I mean, this is this is everybody taking turns. And, and that's a good group. I mean, they, they were physical up front. They had a good plan. Uh, Spagnuolo, their, their defensive coordinator, has, has always had a reputation of, of bringing heat 
and and uh, and putting a lot of pressure on you. And so it, it's not just the O line. You know, some of it does fall on the quarterback. Some of it falls on you know tight ends. Just there's a number of different things as I watch it, um, and they just got to find their groove because it wasn't it wasn't pretty. And uh, but again, you, you get a win, you go back and work on it in a much better attitude than than had you been you know going oh oh two and one for sure. Jeff Saturday, you played in the league. You know football. You know more about football than the three of us combined, right? We know this. So my question for you is: When you are watching the Colts, give me the player that is performing right now for Indianapolis that a football guy recognizes their contribution that the average fan in the stands may not. Ooh, man, that's a great question. Probably Gilmore. I would tell you is. Um, what he's done on the back end of that for that defense. I mean, even the play yesterday um, at the end of the game, the tip, I know the pick goes, uh, doesn't go to him, but um, he is, uh, he is a defining factor in the back end of that end zone. And again, from a team, I mean, I know we got some pressure yesterday that we have not gotten really pressure back there. Uh, He had a heck of a day, man. And he's one of those guys that um, when you think about how you build a defense and what you need, his his skill set is is spectacular, and so uh, I thought what he did yesterday again the tip at the end to win it. But um, he's a guy that you can help you know, that you can build again. And as you're waiting on you know Shaquille Leonard to get back, as you're waiting on some of your pieces and parts uh, to, to to find their form, uh, he he gives you a great comfort on that back end. So that, so that's where I would head if I said if there's one guy that's really you know, that you'd circle and say, hey, he's, he's a, I just say he's a dude, right? Like, like that, it sounds silly, but whenever I look at Phil, I go, he's a dude, right? Like, this is a guy that you know, it's an, it's an all-day affair. Uh, Gilmore is the guy right now. There, you know, I'm always hesitant, Jeff, to make any sort of definitive statements after three weeks in the NFL. I mean, both of us have seen right. enough in this league to know that, right? However, yesterday, late in the day, I thought to myself, you know what? Maybe the Colts' loss to Jacksonville is not a – look, they were terrible in that game, and they got shut out, and it's inexcusable. But is it possible after we saw yesterday that Jacksonville, you know, putting up 38 on the Chargers, who I think a lot of in the Chargers, has Jacksonville arrived yet? Do we know that – do we do we have enough body of work to say that Jacksonville is here now? Oh, they're, they're, they're much better than people thought. I can, I can assure you of that. I mean, even, even as we were discussing uh, preseason predictions – um, some of us were thinking, man, th- this team could push for the AFC South, right? But but everybody was a bit hesitant on the development of Trevor Lawrence, right? Is it, and it sounds crazy being the first pick and all the talent, but you just saw some things last year that kind of had you a little bit concerned. Um, and, and then obviously everybody expected, you know, Tennessee and Indy to be a little bit better than, than they have shown the first couple of weeks. But you're 100% right. Like, Look, this team has drafted extremely high for a number of years. They got good players, right? Like, like, like I think people people have this idea that oh, because they've struggled. I mean, they drafted up in that top for for a minute. So when you look over on their on their depth chart, you go, wow, first round, first round, first, you know. I mean, there's a lot of guys. And defensive front wise, that's the best group I think. That the, I know that the Colts have played and and probably will play uh, for the majority of the season. They can get after you. And so when they play stingy defense. And then the way that Lawrence uh, and Doug Peterson, that, that kind of marriage has, has, has started, uh, they're scary, man. They're scary. And Kirk, which, again, a lot of people laughed at about him being this high-paid receiver, the first one to kind of go to Jacksonville. Uh, that, that thing has been good. They're running it. They're physical. So 
uh, yeah, they're, they're a team definitely to be reckoned with. Jeff, last one from me, um, going back to the Colts game, uh, probably a game ball needs to be sent to the visiting locker room to Chris Jones for that unsportsmanlike penalty oh, with yeah. five minutes yeah. to go in the game. And from all accounts, it was a verbal unsportsmanlike penalty. Have you seen I, – I can't recall many, if never. any, unsportsmanlike never. verbal. Never, bro. I, I, first of all, never. And, and I, I mean, and I think they asked Matt about it. He said he didn't even know what he said. Like, I – I don't get it. I, I honestly, and look, I, I know it helped us. I'm all for it, right? Like give us a win or help us win, whatever you want. But I, 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 I am not a fan of those things, right? Like this wasn't a blatant whatever. Guys get caught up emotionally and say all kinds of things. Sometimes half the time they're talking to themselves. They're like mentally pumping themselves. I don't know what he said, um, but to get a 15-yard penalty to, to extend a drive after a sack. Uh, not really sure. Not really sure what the dude heard or what was said, but um, yeah, that that one. To your point, hadn't seen that in my life, and and a, a bit disappointed. Again, I, I look. We're not. It ain't, it ain't. It ain't choir boys in the NFL, right? There's a lot of things that get said at the line of scrimmage after plays. Uh, so he must have either said something crazy, or the or the ref was having a bad day and just decided to make the call. Because I don't get it. You know, Mondays are always better after a win, and Mondays are always better when you can pretend it's Saturday and still the weekend. So having Saturdays on Monday is always fun. Jeff, I know it's been a hectic travel day, so we appreciate the time this morning. Appreciate it, fellas. Y'all have a great day. Hey, stop running on everybody's parade, Jake. Get happy, man, all the way. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> appreciate it, Jeff. Jeff, Saturday on the Payless Liquors guest line. We'll come back. We're a little bit over. We'll put a bow tie on all of it here on a Monday. Colts win no rain Monday. The fan. Kevin, I got up this morning knowing the Australians are coming. I'm picking them up at the airport today, coming off of a Colts win. But I got up, and I got to tell you, the the Goatland Pumpkin Spice Soap from our main care package, starting the day the best way possible. Like, can you smell right now? Can you smell my pumpkin spice? Well, just stay a little bit over there if you don't mind I, hr I, you know, where are you i am so hygienic For right now. reasons i don't think i want you Jake trying to get kevin to smell them yeah well listen area. matthew who has been waiting patiently this morning well, I to, to get celebrate sick at a work win. well jake had me smell them <laughs> matthew sent the main package matthew good morning oh good morning guys matthew how about that game yesterday oh boy <laughs> i'm are not you? surprised i'm not surprised at all but Thank God they win because that fourth and inches failure play would would have kept me up at night. Now, well, now what time do you get up and, and go to work in the morning? Because you're like you work with like Europe, right? Yeah, I get up at um, five a.m. I arrive to work at six a.m. I actually have the latest start time of the three team members that cover Europe because we're required to overlap with them a minimum of five hours a day. So six is the latest you can arrive. Wow. Matthew, I will echo what Jake said. Thank you for the care package. Maddie was thrilled to see the pie come home. Um, she housed that rather quickly. <laughs> and I would say if you were going to hand out a game ball for yesterday, Matthew, you might hand it out to the kicker, right? I know you're always locked into the kicking. Yes, very important. Yeah, I would give it to Chase. Chase McLaughlin yesterday, good from 43, good for 51. By the way, Matthew, thank you. This from Matthew, who call. is a Colts fan because of Adam Minitari originally. Really? Yes. I, I did not know that aspect of it. Matthew was very disappointed about Rodrigo Blankenship's end to his tenure here. But Jake McLaughlin, 43-yarder, good. 51-yarder, good.
And where were the Chiefs kicking issues? The guy, I like, I'm trying to think of all the misses the guy had. He missed an extra point, right? He missed a 34-yarder, and then they tried to fake it one time. How about that? So they lined up to get seven points, and they got none. You know what? They they could have gone to Grand Park and picked up Rodrigo Blankenship. I say this in all seriousness. Could Rodrigo Blankenship be kicking for the Chiefs when they take on the Bucks on Sunday Night Football? Yes. I mean, the problem is with Harrison Bucker, their, their stud kicker, is out right now. Then. I mean, we just keep talking about the fact that with Blankenship, it's just it's strictly a um, leg strength issue. It's not a consistency. Yeah, but although, you miss a 42-yarder, and I don't know how much is that distance and how much is that in between the years. That's probably true. I mean, Andy Reid literally got asked a question in the post-game press conference. Did you think about moving safety Justin Reid to kicker? That is a legit question he got asked during the press conference. If you were the the regular kicker, you're you're hearing that and you're going that that's not real good for job security, right? <laughs> well, if you're the regular kicker, Harrison Bucker, you're probably thinking, is this be a good time to enter contract negotiations? That's their backup kicker. Any re- any relation to Danny Amendola? Not spelled the same. God, how many Amendolas are out there that have played in the NFL? All right, who are we taking tonight? I think it's close to pick them, right? I believe so. I'll take the Giants. I think Dable gets it done. Not believing in the Cooper rush. You believe in the 3-0 and Giants, or at least you're projecting them to be 3-0? and I don't believe in them, but I think they'll beat the Cooper rush t- Cowboys tonight. Man. Yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys, man, like. What Jerry Jones say over the weekend? Oh, quarterback controversy. He Cooper rush said, and Dak settle Prescott. down, right? Settle down just a little bit. <laughs> Get <laughs> your damn act together. I don't have the patience to jack with you today. Do you oh, think you think Jerry Jones is washing his hands after visits to the men's room? Unlike the time oh, when God. I, <laughs> I forgot about that story. <laughs> unlike when I met him and he wanted to shake hands and he was like Poppy on Seinfeld. I'm like, yeah, boy, this is not good. Pacers media day today. They will open up training camp tomorrow. I'm looking forward to some more Pacers conversation here in the coming days, coming weeks. Their preseason openers a week from wednesday that's crazy the season openers three weeks from wednesday they're going to be a lot more above the rim this year might not be great but they're going to be a lot more above the rim on athleticism terms in the nba they were near the bottom in recent years yeah and they've done their best to resurrect that right some length a little bit more athleticism and i think there's some really unique storylines obviously with their young guys and their development but i mean you look at the four highest-paid players on their roster, you could debate if all of them will be here in February. T.J. McConnell, Miles Turner, Buddy Heald, Daniel Tice. I'm telling you, Isaiah Jackson's going to be the guy this year. I'm fired up. Lots of lob dunks. Should we double date with Benedict Matherin and Isaiah Jackson? <laughs> Room, Kev. My God. Get yourself a towel. Wow. Towel? Wipe yourself down. Why why would I need a towel? You're all lathered up. (laughs) You know, I could give you some of that Goatland pumpkin spice soap when you get all lathered up. Breaks out in hot sweat. (laughs) I'm a little confused why I don't need a towel. I actually haven't showered yet this morning. Do you think people, when they look on the YouTube stream, they can tell if we've showered or not? Well, I, I would tend to think the hat is kind of a dead giveaway. That's usually an indicator, yeah. You've got what? How many hats do you have in your rotation? I've got like 
I used to have like 75 hats. I think I rotate like five or six. That's about what it is for me, yeah. Got a Larry Legend one I like, Notre Dame one I like, that old school Pacers corduroy. I should probably wear that tomorrow for the opening day of training camp. There you go. I know you're a fan of that. All right, it is Cowboys and Giants tonight. We'll have Colts roundtable at 6 o'clock. That's Rick Venturi and Joe Wrights. You'll hear from Frank Reich. He'll catch up with Matt Taylor on that one. Yeah, and the Colts get their first one of the season. They are back at home this coming Sunday. It'll be the Tennessee Titans in town, a battle of one-win AFC South teams here in week four. Looks like a gorgeous day in Indianapolis. Everybody have a great day. Jake, enjoy your tour of Indy. Will do. We'll talk to you tomorrow, 7 a.m.